Riddle me this, listeners, viewers, watchers. Who's got eight eyes, a ton of opinions, and a whole podcast where we can talk about them? It's us. Spoilers, it's us. Welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast, episode 275, where we're here to talk about what movie came out that wasn't the Batman this week that I can say. Did oh, anything did else anything? come Did anything uh, else yeah, come out this week? Did. Wait, um, The Boys Diabolical came out this week. The Boys Diabolical. That's what we're talking about. I definitely am not going to watch that show. Welcome. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Batman. That is our topic for this week. I was going to say, apparently the last episode is uh, canon. Oh, I guess we're going to have to watch that now. Spoilers it's it's the, the origin of Homelander joining the Seven. Oh, I'll, I'll watch that. Okay. Hey, guys. Welcome. We're talking about the Batman. That is the topic. Um, Brandon, you got any links for us before we get into the week? Well, do you want to introduce us? I don't know what's going on anymore. You're right. I'm Ryan. <laughs> I got Sparks next to me. Hey, what's up? I got Brandon keeping Hello. things going. And I got Ben, Mr. Tarnished friend over here. Yeah, yeah, we play some Elden Ring today. Not enough, my friend. Not enough. Not not even close to enough. So, I was looking at my YouTube channel. I was looking at our YouTube channel today, and I just noticed we got a badge that says we have passed ten thousand views. I saw that earlier this week too. Wow! When I was uploading our pause menu, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, there that you works. go. Congratulations, us. Every little bit thanks, counts. Thanks, Matrix Resurrections review for being and Space Sweepers and, and Space Sweepers. <laughs> No kidding, like the, uh, wild. What else it was I, like Game of Thrones episode one of season eight? That was a big one too, right? Wow, yeah, that was so long ago. Uh, I'm I, shocked that the Matrix Resurrections and this time frame it haven't been out for for this month this long. That has that much. I know, because it's like a smaller, smaller I'm movie. Yeah. Certain it's because we put positive in the description, yeah. both in the title <laughs> and the description. There's just not enough reviews out there where they know that's the opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. I, I think that should, that made a difference. We should do that for everything. One second, let me change this. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they're not always positive reviews, and they're not always as contentious a film. We hate it. Um, okay. Yes, as uh, Ryan said, we do have some links in the description. Um, once again, my screen rant stuff is linked below. I put up a couple of Picard pieces. Well, I didn't, but I wrote a couple of Picard pieces that went up. Uh, one where I ranked all the methods of time travel within the Star, Star Trek universe. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I, I think my Battlestar piece went up last week. Really enjoyed that one. The uh, writing was about uh, Adama's most profound quotes. Um, there's another one that like has a bunch of like links to the episodes of Star Trek that Picard is referencing this season. Uh, so like, you know, where does the time travel method comes from? It comes from this episode and yada, yada, yada. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So there's some stuff up there that you can check out. I think there's, there's tons more. You can just link below look up my name you can find them all ben last week i missed your osg article so i have i put it once again it's in the it's in the description now but i missed it for the live show and to make up for that i've done it now so I appreciate that it's down there if you want to talk a bit about that as well yeah um it's about the news of the nintendo 3ds and the wii u eShops closing and essentially kind of like the back it's it's an opinion piece on the backlash and also that it's kind of it's it was expected to happen since the switch is you know making gangbusters and more people own a switch than they do a 3ds and wii u and now a bunch of people and now a bunch of people are clamoring to the 3ds and wii u loading up on the eShop, getting down downloading those games before those games are gone and a lot of them are really cheap like for example i plan to get pokemon silver and crystal versions on my 3ds because the physical carts are still stupid expensive. I can tell you they're still stupid expensive because I was at SoCal Gaming Retro, uh, Retro Expo last week, and dear God, they're still stupid expensive. They won't stop. 
They They're are only going to get more expensive now. Yeah, they yep. are stupid expensive. Um, I did not put up a new Infinity Saga piece. I had it almost done, you guys. I just needed to write the conclusion, and then like my week blew up, and so I just didn't get it done. Um, I'm really bummed that that was late. Uh, so that'll be this coming week. Um, and best of us. Yeah, and then you have two new episodes once again, oh, Race yeah. and Live, mm-hmm. parts thirteen and fourteen. Yep, we are still checking on with uh super with Super Mario three D World. I'm trying to think exactly what happened. Oh, there's like this really cool bit where, or not a cool bit. It was it was a dumb bit on my part because you know in that game where you if you go if one character goes further away the other character gets and claps in a bubble. Yeah, like I'm watching it. your series. Yeah, I know you're you're watching it. Um, so I pop my own bubble and then I fall to my own death. I saw that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> It was a definite womp womp moment. And also I had a fire flower power up too. So that made me even more mad. Yeah. It's a good series though. I'm enjoying it. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. And uh, Ben, once again, Jesus, what a, did I do? Basement arcade pause menu went up this oh, week. That, uh, yeah, so right. both the video and audio links are, are down yep. below on this channel. Yep. That's it. Uh, I am joined by the well-read mage. He is a streamer, a podcaster, um, he has his own website, the-pixels.com, and he and I sit down and we talk about physical and digital game collecting. It's it's got the that debate has kind of declined over the years, but some people still bring it up. Of course, whatever your preference is, that's your preference. Do. You do you. But we do talk about like the pros and cons of both because sometimes like you might have the physical game, but something they can get stolen, they can get destroyed or disc rot. Like I talked with Retro Zoe a few weeks ago, and then with the with the digital games. It's like you don't technically own that. You just own the license to turn it on whenever you can. But if your hard drive gets wiped, then it's gone. It's gone for good. And now with the 3DS and Wii U shops closing, it's even more prevalent. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, linked below um, is my ninth episode. No, tenth episode of the Fickner's Watch for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Um, that's with Michael Carls of the Downright Nerd Podcast. And then Cookie from Just a Little Podcast pops in about halfway through. Um cool. That's that I talked a bit about that episode uh last week as well. Um, it's been a fun series to do with them. I'm really glad it's almost over. <laughs> uh oh, episode 11 uh has not been recorded yet. Uh, Michael Carls went to Disneyland, that little bitch. Um, and, lucky son, that's um, awesome friends, that's so nice. Yeah, and uh, Cookie, you know, had adulting to do, so we just didn't get the chance to record discovery season season four episode 11 yet we will hopefully get that out this week um or ideally we'll just wait till it's done and talk about the last three episodes because <laughs> there's there is not a lot of plot happening in this in this show right now and it's very this, very frustrating that's an hour long show right yep cool <laughs> definitely definitely try uh, definitely starting to grind my gears that's a bummer yeah I'm sorry and, and like with those hour long shows, man, you feel it too when nothing's happening. That's you funny. really do. And like, but like, what's so interesting is like they're fluffy. So they're like, here's something exciting that's happening. And we think we're, we're doing some plot. But you're like, there's no story progression in the last four episodes of the show. It's just like cool things happening. And they're like plot stuff. You know? Yeah. It's very frustrating. It's like, you lied to me. You got to get to those syndication numbers, man. You got to get 100 episodes. I, I, doesn't matter for streaming. Okay. Why are you doing this to me? No, I, I'm just. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. I know. Just like, it's like the mentality. You got to make all these episodes. Yeah. And like, not all of them are gonna. And it, it, it's a bummer because like Discovery always starts strong, and then 
this season and last season, quite frankly, like just loses steam by the end of it. They just don't have enough plot to get you through 13 episodes. So stay tuned for more of that discussion on the Figners Watch for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. And we will also be starting our Picard uh, Season 2 uh, discussion, which so far sounds like it's going to be a way more positive experience. Uh, I'll get to that when that when my, when my week. And that's all the description. That's all the links in the description. Check them out. We do we do some really fun stuff on this channel and uh, outside of this channel. Check them all out. Great stuff. Who wants to go first that week? I'll go because I did one thing <laughs> and it, I liked it so much I put a ring on it and that ring is called Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> oh, real quick, sorry. Um, so V is the name of your main character in Cyberpunk 2077. I want to apologize to V because I did not say <laughs> hi to that guy. All week, I got lost in the sauce of Elden Ring. So sorry, V. I'll come back to you. Who knows when at this point? Guys, Elden Ring is really good. Obviously, you've heard the hype. You've seen everyone talk about it online. Like, this is, like, one of those, like, once in a, a like, like console generation type of games. Um, uh, like, the first, I put 25 hours in. The first 15 hours, it's a, it was a great game. Uh, uh, it's a great Souls game. It's open world, all this great stuff. Once... Once I started to get into the like the depth of it and like not just the surface level stuff, I truly saw like, wow, this game is really special, like really, really special. Um, it, it this game took so long to make, and now I play so many open world games, and how many of them are so cookie cutter and of like, it's like it's like the same different like rock formations and cliffs, and like you can tell that it's like, yo, maybe they made this game in a year, right? Um, there is everything feels handcrafted and handmade there are so many so many little nooks, nooks and crannies so many little caves to explore there are dozens of little catacombs for you to explore to find new weapons and fight bosses there are 84 bosses in this game that's that's i can't, that's unfathomably big that's like four dark souls games this game is so large uh i there are five elden lords there are five big big bosses right i beat the first elden lord in tw at 20 hours uh i thought i explored most of the game i get past the part where i beat that guy and i open to the next part of the world and the map like doubles in size and i i, I go i literally say oh my god <laughs> it is unfathomably large and it's not large just to be large there's stuff to do almost everywhere um i i i don't want i don't need to say anymore because like this is one of those games that's not like cyberpunk where it's so <clears throat> rich in, in story even though there's a lot of lore you have to go exploring for it right now i'm kind of just playing the game it is one of the greatest video games ever made the feeling of it, the the exploration of it, like it's so easy to play with your friends. Uh, they make magic used to be really hard in Dark Souls. Like you really had to like level up really hard. Like early magic is not fun in any of the Souls games. Early magic in this game is insanely fun, and you can do it from the get go. And you can do magic and melee at the same time if you want. Like they really made it an accessible Dark Souls game while still having all the challenge that that is that it's known for. Uh, I love it. I played a, only an hour with Ben, but like. It is truly like other people have said. It is the best Dungeons and Dragons game ever made. Just like the adventure, that? yeah, go ahead. You can, the adventure that you can just go on with your friends is endless. You can you can play this game forever with your friends just walking around. Yeah. So I got Elden Ring this week. I finally got it. Um, I'm going to echo a lot of what Ryan said, but the thing about like when I got out of flashback to five years ago, I played Breath of the Wild for the first time. I get the I get the glider. I go to the plateau. I see how big the map is. I felt that exact same wonder when I got out of the tutorial for Elden Ring, like when I saw how big the world is. When I saw the big giant golden tree, the L tree, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" It's like a moment. Like um, when you leave the tutorial zone, you open a door, 
and then you, you've, you've been to the, I've so, been there. Yeah. So you open it and you're like, oh, this is how big the world it is. No, it's literally five times bigger than that. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Even bigger. Yeah. We it's only big. played, I only played for a, I only played for a hot second, like for an hour or so last night. Funny enough, I streamed it on my Twitch last night at four o'clock in the morning because that was the only time don't worry i'll get into that but but outside of that the game is gorgeous and you guys know since i got my ps5 i've only been really only been playing demon souls some fortnite and from knockout city but as much as demon souls is good i still can't get past the tower knight and that game and i'm just so used to, i know the lord's path forwards and backwards by now but it's it's like i can't beat the damn boss and it's the, it should be the easiest boss in the whole game the second i started playing elden ring something just i don't know if it's because it just clicked the controls feel better this game just feels fun there's new mechanics that are really really great and i absolutely love it i'm only a few hours in but this game is just gorgeous and beautiful and oh man this game is great i'm only a few hours in that's the thing i'm only a few hours in and every time when i died in elden ring i've only died a few times but when i did die i was like no i want to try that again but i'm gonna do it a different way this time because you can it's like there's this big ass boss right when you first walk in who can wipe the floor with you but you can run away you can save yourself level up and come back it's awesome that that is the beauty like the great thing about this game is because like you were talking like the tower knight all you can do in demon uh, demon souls is fight the tower knight or go back to the previous level and grind yeah. Elden Ring, you're like, oh, I can't beat him. I can go play the game for 50 hours and come <laughs> back and hit him once and kill him. That's what yeah. I did with the first, like, one of the first, like, big bosses. Not the Elden boss, but, like, one of the first ma- major bosses. I leveled up for 10 hours, and I beat him almost instantly. And I'm like, yeah, this feels good. This is really good. And that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's really the difference is that it doesn't feel like grind. It feels like getting to play the game Yeah. during that yeah. time. Hi, I'm Sparks Witty, and I also played Elden Ring this week. Um, <laughs> I'm three hours into the game. And hey, me I too. Would, I would make my analogy of I am like Squidward taking that teeny tiniest <laughs> morsel of a Krabby Patty and, and like barely putting it in my mouth and then being shown a whole new universe of food. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, I I I understand more through the osmosis of people I follow on Twitter, podcasts I listen to, and Ryan uh, and memes. I, I understand the potential of what I'm diving into and I'm happy and I'm content. And I'm like, I think the nicest thing is that I think Elden Ring, I don't feel the same pressure mm. to see myself carry through because like, I think there's a feeling just like you were saying, Ben, like if I hit that kind of point, this has been the thing that deters me away from things like dark souls in the past, which I still like, I, I haven't a fascination and interest in, but if I hit that wall and I got to go grind, I'm probably just never going to play the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest. Like, that's that's where I know I'm at. And I don't feel that way with Elden Ring. I'm I, like, I don't, don't want to go in this room. I'll go somewhere else. And I and I love it. I love it. I yeah. can just go somewhere else and do something else. And it's great. And you're constantly rewarded. Unlike mm-hmm. other open world games, like even Breath of the Wild. I love that game. They're, the amount of stuff you find in this <laughs> game is insane. <laughs> Like every corner, whether it's just whether it's just flowers to pick, I, or 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 like a dead body that you have like a ring that you can wear or a piece of armor, it, it's always rewarding you for exploring. I literally was fighting a bunch of dudes and I didn't mean to, and I jumped <laughs> over a barrier and I fell into a stairwell in the bottom, and it was like, hey, there's a chest in here, and I'm like, oh, 
well neat and then i died but i went back and got the chest later when i was more sneaky about it <laughs> but it was like something that like you accidentally discovered yes i just like, like oh. leaped over a wall because i thought i was just gonna run and yeah. i fell into a chest room i so when i was playing with ryan earlier today there's this camp in the front of the gates that you're supposed to go through that progresses the story, or it leads to progression of the story. And Ryan's and I've been through that camp like maybe like once or twice or whatever. I'm trying to kill a bunch of all the enemies there. And there's this one really strong guy there. So I'm trying to kill everyone else and then go after him. But so Ryan and I, we clear some of the guys out, and then he's, Ryan's like, Hey, have you come come inside the this uh, stairwell? I'm like, I didn't even know that was there. And Ryan was mentioning earlier about how there's a bunch of caves. I after Ryan logged off. I had a little bit of time before Fan came home from work. I found a new cave and I went in it. I haven't fought the boss yet because I had to stop and get dinner ready and then come here and record. But I got, I'm going to try and go in for another boss. They're everywhere. Like 84 bosses. Like that sounds like a lot. And it is like the amount of named unique bosses with entire incredible movesets is it's just like game developers are like game de game development is so hard and i'm not calling anyone lazy but a game of elden ring comes out and you're like wow what is everybody else doing it's just like it's so crazy it's being like, underpaid to over deliver yes it's like <laughs> we are so used to it. it's like oh we have to make these hundred hour games that have fluff that like is like meaningless like again like assassin's creed collect 100 feathers to get like a new bow and i'm like cool what, is, what does that mean for like the story or anything everything here has lore implications because like you'll find a random soldier in a cave and how he died like the weapon will have lore on why he's there and stuff and it's like it all adds to like like just little riches I it's think, like it's so rich i think i think we're not a price on waypoint captured it very well in describing like they're able to build their character and like the reason their character is exploring the world the way mm -hmm. they are it's, it's truly like role playing if you want it to be. absolutely yeah. uh and i and i think it encourages that and that's an incredibly rewarding experience again I'm like the the D &D very analogy. very happy with it yeah. and i'm very happy yeah. that i killed a dude like a powerful dude i killed him without touching him because i used ashes and it was good of uh, ryan and i oh yeah there's like the first thought like the first boss I fought, Ryan and I went in and fought him together, and we beat him on the first try. Was it the the hammer guy? It was the, war, it, was the it was the war hammer guy. That guy's cool. He has swinging like hammers. It's pretty cool. Yeah, kicked his ass. And I mean, to mention like Sparks, you said earlier about uh, Demon Souls about how you just get to a certain point, and you quit. I've done that a few times this week. I've gotten to a certain point, I keep freaking dying, and I'm like, I'm sick and tired of this. I hate going. I want to see somewhere else. Whereas, even though I'm once again, I barely scratched the surface of Elden Ring. I'm like, I have all this area. I barely just, I want to go that way. I want to go over there. I want to, I'm in this new cave with a bunch of wolves. I killed all the wolves and now there's a boss in there. I got to wait to fight the boss, but oh my God, I can't wait to do this. This is awesome. So uh, I'm 25 hours in. I've just discovered the third zone. Apparently there are five zones. Oh. I, and I'm just like, I, how can this map get any bigger? I, I don't know where, I don't know how it could get I think another thing I appreciate about it is I don't feel the same pressure that I think comes with a lot of other things. Like our count doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And I'm and I'm appreciative of that. Where yeah. it's like, you know, your 25 hours could be somebody else's 40 hours as far as like how Absolutely. much of the how much of the narrative of the game you've yeah. gone through. And like I, I'm glad I've done comparatively less narrative. I love logging yeah. out of Elden Ring at three hours and it's like zero percent complete. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. I have I have three, I have three achievements out of like 50. And I'm 25 hours in. I'm like, I, oh, I'm never getting this platinum. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got one trophy in Demon Souls, and I have zero percent progress made in Elden Ring. But at the same time, I'm like, I would much. If I, once again, gun to my head, I'm going back to Elden Ring than Demon okay. Souls. 
I, yeah. if I do play Demon Souls, it's gonna be co-op with a friend. That's because I probably play Dark Souls and I found it more fun that way. Yeah, like, like I, after Elden Ring, like co-op, like this makes me. The thing that I've heard people say is like this makes them appreciate like the Souls games more, so, so they can go back to the older ones and they'll have like a newfound like okay, I kind of know what to do because I put so much time into Elden Ring and it's the same mechanics. So like it might be rewarding yeah it, yeah it's they're they are not lesser games because they're not open world they're, just, they're they're more narratively focused and like i guess harder in that way because you can't go anywhere but mm -hmm. like this like people going back to oh i'm gonna play bloodborne now because i never did i'm like cool bloodborne is also one of the greatest games ever made like bloodborne it's just it's it's a great time to be a game yeah Suffice it to say, you'll be hearing us talk a lot more about Elden Ring on pause menu soon. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> ben and I, I was just about to say, like, once we get a few a few more hours into Elden Ring, we gotta do an Elden Ring episode. I, I want it's all I think about, and that's all I'm gonna be playing probably for the next couple of weeks. That's my week. It's Elden Ring. I, if we can, if we can, if we're able to do it, I want all three of us stream Elden Ring together. Well, sure. Yeah. I will take that baton and I will not talk anymore about Elden Ring. I'm Instead, I'm going to say I watched an episode of How I Met Your Father. It's still good. I'm, be, I'm behind on that. Two episodes. Uh, enjoying it. It's all Joe. Murderville released outtakes mm -hmm. and they were good. I enjoyed them quite a lot. They're like 10 minutes of outtakes and they were very entertaining. Mm -hmm. Megan and I watched Game Night because you'll recall last week we talked about watching Lovebirds and it made us want to watch other kind of kill, comedies kill like shot. that. No, that's Date Night. Which we also watched. Oh, <laughs> we watched Game Night with Jason Bateman oh. and Rachel McAdams because we just wanted to watch one of the best comedies ever made in the past decade. Love that movie. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, that movie is so good, and it's still so good, guys. And we also watched Date Night, which uh, has a little bit of some stuff that's like there's a lot of male gaze in the 2010 Date Night that just I don't think would fly in the same way today, but Mark otherwise Mark. holds up pretty well, huh? Mock and mock. Yeah, um, there's there's an Gal Gadot. Of... Yep, Gal Gadot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And oh, uh, I don't remember that at all. Wow. Uh, Kristen Wiig and Mark Ruffalo are a married couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, date night. <laughs> date night's still pretty entertaining though. Um, so we did we did watch both of those. Uh, we no, also... wait. Can I just real quickly say the car chase sequence when the cab driver when they're locked with the cab driver is still one of the funniest moments I've seen in a movie. So true. Uh, that is that is a really good moment, and it holds yeah. up. Um, game night. I looked up because I wanted to know more about the lens that they use to create the sh shots of the uh, oh, yeah. city and stuff. It's a particular type of lens. It's a very expensive lens um, that makes it look like a game board. Mm -hmm. And as I was looking at it this time, I was like, someone needs to do this for a kaiju movie because they're just shooting the city, but they make it look like the models. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's awesome. and that would be great. I didn't know it was real. Do a lot of yes. So all I I had to know this time for sure. And I'm like, every single one of those shots is a shot of the actual like a big, big pulled out shot that they're getting above up in the air with a particular lens that makes those things look like models. It's That's called cool. a tilt shift lens. That's awesome. Uh, insane. Um, Megan and I picked Rick and Morty season five back up. We watched a few episodes Man. because it finally came to Hulu. So we started watching it. And uh, HBO Max. It's still Rick and Morty. Still <laughs> really good. Um, Funny real quick how like the cultural like talk about that show is kind of just gone now isn't it no one does yeah. no one ever talks about rick and morty ever the interesting thing i've noticed about rick and morty is that i think they made a huge mistake um obviously they they got like a 70 a 70 episode order that they're dropping oh, yeah. in chunks and like the the whole thing of like that airs on cartoon network or adult swim or wherever it airs and then months months later 
it drops on streaming mm -hmm. is ridiculous. It should be on streaming right after. And that would help I, it keep in the zeitgeist. I think so too. Um, but I will say like just these few episodes deeper into season five, we are, there's something about this season and maybe it's something that will get addressed before the season's over. I don't know. But this season, the narcissism of the show is now the narcissism of the family. So all of the family feels like narcissists now. And we're reaching a, a, I think a crescendo point where I'm like, someone here has to care about something. I yeah. have, obviously I have not watched it. I've heard the season is kind of more like, like more, it is more story driven where it is kind of more interconnected. I think stuff. it's going to be a point that we're hitting because it's basically everybody kind of becoming a little bit narcissistic after they found out about the uh, second Beth. Mm -hmm. uh that mm -hmm. that rick had created and there's kind of like i think jerry is the only person who maybe isn't as full of narcissism but he is less caring about the bullshit that happens now he's just kind of like going with the flow which is also kind of jerry's own brand of free, narcissist now free carry jerry um so i'm hoping there's kind of a point to that because it's definitely like somebody has to still give a shit mm -hmm. like it can't be rick but everybody can't be like rick now yeah and kind of the whole family is starting to become like rick that's maybe like the whole... I think yeah, it yeah. is. I suspect that I, Dan Harmon's smart. I don't think that it's an accident, yeah. but it's definitely a vibe that I'm like, all right, we can't live here, though, for the rest of this, <laughs> oh, of this yeah, series. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, After Party, season one ended. Uh, really enjoyed it. Excellent ending. Megan and I pegged the killer correctly, and uh, that just shows the signs of a good show. I did not catch every freaking clue, though. They went through it really well. Um, I always love that. Really enjoyed it. Really great. Recommend it. Great Apple TV show. Megan and I also started watching Lock and Key season one because we don't remember shit. And some of the <laughs> things we remember are actually things from Haunting on Hill House. So, <laughs> so we're going back. And I, honestly, we're really glad we decided to do this and not a summary video because we discussed it. And I'm like, I am re-falling in love with these characters. And I'm really grateful for it. Like, I'm starting to remember a lot of the details as we're going. But I don't think if I jumped in season two, I would have cared about the characters mm, as much. So fair. I'm really glad I'm going back to season one and being like, oh, right. All of these things that were happening to these people. Good show. Good show. Um, so we're, we're picking that up so we can go to season two. I too don't remember a thing about that show. Yeah. Um, if you want to revisit season one, still, still really good. It has completely reminded me why I was so into that show. It's a shame that that season two couldn't capitalize faster. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause pandemic. Uh, and the last thing I'll talk about is I watched Marvel mobile suit Gundam. Now, recently, I talked to Ben about how they're making a new movie that's based on an episode from that series. That episode is called Kukuru's Doan's Island. That episode didn't air in America. That episode is not internationally released. The reason is because the animators hate that episode. <laughs> because they, had, they were so under budget for so many episodes, this one looks bad. Like... Some of the parts and other parts of Mobile Suit Gundam don't look good and they're reusing things. There's a lot of characters that are off model in this episode. A lot of things like that. So they're turning that episode into a 90 minute film to kind of like reclaim the legacy of this episode. I watched a Japanese version that looked like it was a VHS quality looking thing with uh, subtitles, but I watched through it and yeah, it it's a little woof uh, to, yeah. to look at visually. Um, 
but that's the episode and it's a uh, it's technically episode 15 and so like you just if i've been watching the episodes on funimation that episode's just not there because they don't want people to watch that episode so that's what that movie is that's that movie that's coming out later this year is an adaptation of that episode into a full 90 minute like beautifully animated special revisiting the history of this moment in mobile suit gundam it's like the end cool. of evangelion like mobile a redemptive moment for them to to kind of be like we're gonna go back and we're gonna make it look great um Neat. so that's that's what that was uh that's my week cheers nice. all right i'll take the baton this time and i'm also not going to talk about elden ring but i'm going to talk about how i got it because that my friends is a tale so this week i'm i made the decision to sell my playstation 4 and my ps1 now that i had the ps5 and i also have a ps3 that can play ps1 and ps4 games i essentially don't need it anymore and also i haven't plugged in my ps1 in well over five years so it was time to say goodbye to my trusted friends. Wait, I decided, did you say that your PS3 can play your PS4 games? No, my PS3, PS3 can play my PS1 games. Okay, I th- okay. <laughs> yeah, I misheard PS3. something along the way of your, of your sentence. I apologize. No, it's all good. No worries, bud. So I I decided instead of taking it to GameStop where I'm going to get lowballed to high heaven, I'm thinking I'll, pro- I'll take it to Frankenstein's instead. Uh, I know a, yeah. a lot of the gamer boosts there. I can probably get don't it. You wanna, don't you want to take it to GameStop and get $4.95? Power to the players. I needed, I needed a decent chunk of money because not only was I gonna get Elden Ring, but I was also gonna get a new headset that was maximized and built for my PlayStation Five. <gasps> Did you get the 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 HD sound baloney? I got the Pulse One, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got the PlayStation One. It, it's, got the, it's got the PS Five shit in it with the rumble in the headset. It's, I got the I got the Pulse Three D PS Five headset. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, so I got rid of my so I underestimated the power of weebs that Saturday morning. And also the night before and also the night before my cat decided to keep me up and I only got about two hours of sleep. So I go get coffee, I get gas for my car, and I get to Frankenstein's around 9.45 in the morning. The show opens at nine. And normally on a regular day, there's still a pretty decent parking amount of parking spaces, right? Well, today was the day that they decided to have something called Anime Days. You guys remember when we went to Frankenstein's and they had this little spooky thing? The spooky Hell event? Yeah. It's like that, but with anime. It took me 45 minutes to find a parking spot. And I only was able to get lucky with my parking spot because I followed a dude who had the last... who parked his car in the very last row before they before like the hour-only area. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, did you say 45 minutes to find a parking spot? 45 yep. minutes to find a parking spot. Why didn't spot? you go home? No, the last time, because well, we commit. Uh, last time we went, Ben, like we, it took us almost like half an hour. I remember, yeah, it's true. Too. No, like it, it, is, it is insanely busy. And like, yeah. well, I go home. It was insanely busy when they have those events. So, because I, I was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, there should still be parking. That's not that bad. It's Saturday. And I'm running on two hours of sleep. I'm already exhausted. And I get inside Frankenstein's, and it takes me about two hours to finally get a decent deal on my PS4, because fortunately it's a 500 gigabyte first-gen PS4. It wasn't a PS4 Pro or anything. And even with my controllers, my headset, and all the other stuff I was trying to get rid of with it, I I did get the money. I Not as much as I hoped, but it was enough for me to get Elden Ring and the headset, and also put a little bit in my savings account. Beautiful. So that took a while. I get home. My roommate is getting ready because he has a boba event to go to that evening. And I had to run a quick errand for him because he wasn't able to do it. And then I go take a nap because I desperately needed one. Boba Fett. Can I can I ask a quick question? 
about yes. your PS4? Did you yes. have the PT demo downloaded on it? I did not. No. Bummer. I bet that would have gone for a little extra. Oh, if I had the PT demo on it, I would I would be like, yo, PT's on here. Then I probably would have sold it for 500 bucks. Who knows? Um, yeah, so essentially, I first turned on Elden Ring. I was finally able to sit down and play because after my roommate's event that Fanny and I went to in Irvine, we immediately went to go see The Batman. And that's a short, it's only like a 90 minute movie too. That's so. what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Totally. <laughs> so uh, I get home, we get a little something to eat. And the only other media I watched was, uh, we watched South Park. Uh, Fan and I are watching the 25th uh, season of South Park on HBO Max. We love it. It's South Park. It's hilarious. And around three o'clock in the morning, I finally turned on Elden Ring. Only to go to sleep and about an hour or so later to for my mom to come over and i only got like five hours of sleep again <laughs> i did not sleep like, a lot this weekend that's why they have coffee it's fine yeah yeah she brought over coffee thank goodness it was pretty strong coffee so yeah um media wise it was pretty much just south park and trying to there's something else. oh something else uh sabaton mine and brandon's one of our favorite bands ever they released the, the full new album uh the war to end all wars Guys, that album rocks. It slaps. I didn't know that. I didn't know it dropped until I was getting. I was until I was getting dinner today, and I was going to to Spotify, and I was like, "Oh, oh, what a new Sabaton album? Hell yeah!" And I played that shit. Rolls. So back in December, I pre-ordered the album on on iTunes because that's the only way I was able to get the Christmas truce on my phone. Oh, uh, or you could get on Spotify for free. Wow, that and no extra yeah, charge. Or that, but um, what was I gonna say? Yes, because they also would slowly release tracks like uh, Soldier of Heaven, The Unkillable Soldier, which is also a really good song. But I think outside of Christmas Truce, my favorite song on that album is The Lady of the Dark. I haven't gotten to that one yet. I enjoy- oh, I've only listened do. to the first like four or five tracks so far, but I love it. I love it. It's great. I love. I think out of the ones you listen to, Brandon, Unkillable Soldier is great. That's such a good song. Sparks. In a similar vein to Ben bringing up music, Megan and I also learned today that this is a true statement. Elton John, Yo-Yo Ma, and Miley Cyrus did a cover of Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. Hell yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a true, that, that is a 100% factual statement. They played it on KLOS one day, and I was like, what? That is wild. <laughs> music, man. Music. All right. Yeah. Hey, music, music, music in Elden Ring. So true. Yeah. God, like the next been? 40 pause mains are going to be about Elden Ring, I swear. Anything else, Ben? Um, nope, that's about it. Well, unlike the two of you, I will start mine talking about Elden Ring. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I wish. <laughs> that would be like a table flip moment. Oh, <laughs> if you did, Brandon, if you were to bring out your copy of Elden Ring, I would Brandon's say like, cancel. I was like, I would be like, sorry, people, podcast canceled. We're all four playing Elden Ring right this second. Do you think, Ben, do you think I'm joking? If he pulled out Elden Ring, I would turn my computer off right now. I would turn this off in me. I would say, hey, Batman, X out of 10, turn this off and go downstairs and turn Hold it on. off and turn my PS5 on. Marks, you've been trying to say something. What were you trying to say? I, I just, I would love if you just came on here and you were like, I didn't write anything this week. All hundred of my hours in the week before spent playing Elden Ring. Let me tell you about the Elden Lord. Let me tell you about the Elden Lord. Godric the Grafted. <laughs> no, I, I did not. I did not do that. Um, 
I did watch a couple of. You nearly watch... adopted the ring. <laughs> I did watch a few. I, I listened to Sabaton, uh, like Ben said. Great album. Love it. Can't wait to listen to the rest. I watched The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, I've Peacemaker Rules. And I was like, I wonder if Peacemaker has recontextualized anything in Suicide Squad. It hasn't, but that does not mean it's, it's, it's lesser. That movie still rules. Speaking of the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, Fanny finished watching Peacemaker and she absolutely loved it. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah love Suicide Squad. Love the Suicide Squad. I forgot how much I liked that 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 movie because, like, you know, so much of it has been dominated by Peacemaker. Um, the discussion around Peacemaker, and so like I forgot, like, oh right, Ratcatcher rules, Bloodsport rules, King Shark rules. Like this guy's cool. this movie rules. Um, I watch. Let's see what I want to do. I want to do this. Uh, I watched the entirety of The Sex Lives of College Girls, which has been to Kaylee's new, new show on HBO Max. Really good. Uh, very funny. Uh, I did not expect it to be quite as funny. I was kind of only half watching it with Zara while I was working one day, and uh, I found myself kind of enraptured in it. It's a very well-written show. It's got some really good... I don't know if I... I mean, I can't really say it's like good... Like, What's the term? Representation. Um but it it looks really solid. It's got it's got a lot of great characters. Um, Timothy Chalamet's sister is in it. No, he had a sister, um, but she's in it. It's great. I really like it. It's very funny. Uh, it's only ten episodes. I recommend. Each episode is like thirty minutes. Okay. I watched Death on the Nile. I've been talking about this movie all week. <laughs> um, playing Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the benefit of having AOC in Elden Ring and played Elden Ring as Poirot. I'm just saying, there's a helmet with a mat with a mustache. The the benefit of having AMC A list is that I can see a bunch of movies at no extra cost. Um, and I I hey I was excited for Death in the Nile. I really liked Murder on the Orient Express. I like Murder on the Orient Express a lot more now. Um, and like I was and so I was excited. So I was like, yeah, we should finally go see Death on the Nile. What a shit movie. <laughs> Megan and I also almost went and saw that this week, and then we didn't. And then Brandon was like, well, I got bummed. And I'm like, well, all right, we're not going. Not and only, like, not the only thing... did I see Brandon's post about it, also I listened to um, our, our friends, Downright Nerdy. I listened to Michael and Riley's review, like little mini review of it. Same. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. no liking. <laughs> Really, I didn't. I haven't heard. I haven't heard what they said. I know. I also. I knew that he liked Murder on the Orient Express, and so, um, yeah. I, I walking out of the movie, I was really bummed. Like I did not feel this way about Murder on the Orient Express. Murder on the Orient Express ends on an interesting note, in the sense that, like, look, it's a story that kind of rocks Poirot's world. He's like, oh, all these people murdered someone in love, and blah blah blah. It's like, it's like more of like a character study of Poirot because kind of Brana is directing it, and he's Poirot, and he wants to do that, and it's fine. But like the end of it has him as like, I'm done with this. I'm going to retire. And then it's like, hey, there's been a death in the Nile, and he's like, well, I guess I'm back in the thing. And then the movie, and then Death on the Nile, opens with like, thanks for solving that thing in Egypt. Welcome back to London. What was the fucking tease for? <laughs> Um, and then, and then he goes back to Egypt to solve a different case, but it doesn't matter. A different death on the Nile. There's another. There, there's a. The movie opens, and I, I shit you not, Zara turned to me and said, "Are we in the right movie?" Because it opens during World War One, and it opens. And I'm gonna. I'm sorry for those of you who have heard the story before, and I don't care if, if the listeners think this is a spoiler. And Ben, you're gonna you're gonna sit there and you're gonna take this. The, the movie opens with World War One, and it's going through the trenches of this trench. It's black and white, and it's moody as hell. 
And like a crow shows up and scares the audience, like the five people in the theater with me. And we we get on this captain dude. He's got Poirot's mustache. I'm like, that must be young Poirot. We're seeing Poirot's origin as this captain of world and in, in the British army, French army. Who, who the hell cares? What's Poirot? He's Belgian. Um, and he is like, we got orders to storm these people when the winds when the winds turn. And then a, a de-aged, glossy black and white, Kenneth Branagh walks on screen walks into the screen and goes. So you see those you see those sparrows right there. They're, they're gonna they're gonna, that's a horrible accent. They're, they're they're doing the thing, and now they're going to do the thing. So we should go now. We'll take them by surprise. And so like they're like, great Poro, and they do. They take him by surprise. And the captain's like, great Poro, you're wonderful. Mind you, he's got Poro's mustache. I want to reiterate that because that's important. And he's like, well done, Poro, you did it. And then Poro's like, wait, Captain, no. And then the captain turns around and he explodes, and he's dead. And then Poirot is scarred. And so his his love, Catherine from the first movie, you know, he's got the picture in the first movie. He's like, oh, my beloved Catalina. And it, and so like she shows up at bedside and he's like, would you still love me if I looked like this? And he's like mangled. He's got this horrible scar and it looks really gnarly and gross. He's like, would you still love me if I put my face like this? And she goes, well, I guess you'll just have to grow a mustache. It's a mustache origin story. It's a mustache origin story. Also like not, it's not always the case. But generally, if you get like if you get a scar, you can't grow you facial can't hair grow facial hair is, yeah. from scar tissue. So like that's a glorious like, mustache. Not like now yeah, it's imagine that's a fake mustache the entire time, and that's even funnier. And the thing is, he shaves it at the end of the movie because he's like, I don't want to be recognized anymore. Because the whole thing is that everyone recognizes him as Poirot, and he's like, I don't want to be recognized anymore. And he's still got the scar, and I'm like, the hell, you just look like Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> It, it's just so, it was so baffling to me and it's so dark and it's not meant to be funny, but I got to tell you, it's hilarious. It so, un, so unintentionally hilarious. And then the rest of the movie is dour as hell. Yeah, and but is there, is there enough champagne to fill the Nile? No, there's not even enough no. death to fill the Nile. Oh. There's 45 minutes and Gal Gadot doesn't die. Like 45 minutes on that movie, I'm waiting for Gal Gadot to die and she doesn't die. Wait, wow. is she not the victim? She is the victim, but she oh. dies so late into the movie. Wow, I stopped giving a shit. Wow, that's re that's that's like uh, almost halfway through a movie. Yes, I mean, I mean hell, how, how, well, it, it was like what through the Batman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like what the twenty-five minute. It was the twenty-five minute mark when Johnny Depp died in Murder on the Orient Express. Right? Not even he dies early. That's the thing oh. about Murder on the Orient Express. That's the thing about murder mysteries. Either either you killed him in the first act, or you killed him before the first act. Yeah. That's murder mystery. That's how you structure murder mystery. Death on the Nile as the book is not structured that way. Nor Agatha Christie, nor are a lot of Agatha Christie's books. She finds these very strange ways to put Poirot in these stories. Um, when you could just hire a detective after someone dies. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And you could change it for the for the story, for the movie, but they don't. It takes until midway through the second act for anybody to die. And that's kind of when it gets interesting. And there's some interesting stuff in there. Not worth it. I said interesting. Not worth it. I'm mad at this movie. Um, and so like, I'm out. <laughs> and so like, he, so like there's one death. So, okay. Credit where credit is due. I still think Poirot is good. I, I like Kenneth Branagh's Poirot and he does kind of make it worth it. He's quirky and fun and whatever, but Kenneth Branagh is not having as much fun as he did in the last one, but there is a death in the movie that works spectacularly well. And I was very surprised at it. I did not expect it. And the emotional reaction that it brings within Poirot works. And that's the nicest thing I can say about the movie. That's the only positive I can say about that movie, other than the credits. 
And the thing is, it's not even that bad. I'm just mad at it. I'm mad at it because I feel like the the, the cast is not as interesting as the last cast, regardless of regardless of the controversies that are surrounding half of them. Like they don't mesh together as well as the as the last cast, and that cast actively knows each other like the characters are like related like their family but the but the chemistry isn't there they're not meshing as well the last one in murder on the express they were all great they were all like meshing together well and they were all working together off each other well really great everything that worked in murder on the express is not in death on the nile and it's really a bummer i'm just gonna wait for knives out too <sighs> yeah, anyway too. anyway it's a this is a long prelude to say that i watched the after party <laughs> I needed to watch a good murder mystery and Sparks has been hyping up the after party and I was very interested anyway because of the trailers. So I finally turned on my Apple TV plus, which I've been paying for for a year and never watching anything. And I watched the after party and it's great. Everything that Sparks has said is true. You watched all of it? I watched only four episodes. so I'm halfway through. I'm still hoping that somewhere through that story, Bran got so mad and pulled out a copy of Elden Ring. <laughs> and then I did. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I no. got so mad at Devil on the Nile. I got drunk. I went to GameStop. I bought Elden Ring. Power to the players. I I want uh, I watched the first four episodes of the After Party, and it is very good. Um, the second episode is a Fast and the Furious parody, which was awesome. Um, everything is is wonderful in that show. Like all the all the parodies of, that they're doing for the films, great. The actors are working together very well. It's an engaging mystery. Um, I think I know who did it, but I'm not going to say because, like, what if I'm wrong? And then I can say I was right if I'm if I was wrong anyway. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I like it a lot, and I, I'm sad I didn't get through the rest of it. Um, but I only got four episodes left, so next week. Yeah, and finally, yeah, right, yeah, finally, okay, finally, Star Trek Picard dropped its second season. Not the whole thing. The first episode, of season two of Star Trek Picard, dropped. I did not get to talk to talk about it with my Star Trek Fickners watch compatriots. Um, so unfortunately you guys have to sit through a little bit of it if you don't mind. Um, it's, 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 it's the first episode is better than the, than the first season in almost every way. It's much more uplifting. It's much more positive. They ignore all the stupid shit they did last season, like giving Picard a fake body. Um, and the way they hand wave the fact that everyone is, Eight years. Wait, Sparks, was that confusing for you? Don't we don't don't worry about it. You don't have to explain it. Um, it's a golem. Anyway, so so uh, they they hand wave away a lot of the older actors because obviously Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg character, uh, she's back. She was in the trailers, and Q, they're back, and both of them are older, and uh, uh, because the actors are older. So the way they talk about Guinan is that even though her species are are practically immortal they can choose to age great don't need any more than that awesome i'm glad you did that and q we see actually a de-age john don john delancey for like a second and then he's like oh you're a lot older than i thought picard let me catch up and he snaps himself and he's older and i was like great great letting actors be like this old letting them play these age great it's much more uplifting it's much more positive there's an interesting mystery at the center of it there's some good action there's a lot of starfleet stuff which was really great because the last season had a lot of copy and paste ships that was very frustrating but now we have a lot of different ships and uh, good new uniforms. The, even the theme tune is like uplifting and really kind of fun. And I was like, I was really into it. I'm really into it. I hope the momentum continues because I like being this positive about a Star Trek show. And I, I it only being 10 episodes with a good cast, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful and I like being in that place for a Star Trek show. That's good. I'm glad. 
I'm done. Great. Here also, I love your shirt, by the way. Oh, yeah. Ghost Zone. I'm yeah. going ghost. Danny Phantom. Daniel Shall Phantasm. we go on to our bread and butter? Let's do it. Breaking news. The fake nerds like Elden Ring. That's all I'm thinking about, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop with the Elden Ring jokes. Ryan, I, Ryan, I just will, met... Ryan will keep thinking about Elden Ring until we hit the review. <laughs> then he'll be like, I will actually think about the Batman yes. because I've been thinking about how I want to see it a second time. I will shift my and brain. Then, and then he'll get to the book club and he'll be like, I really like comics and this was my book club, so I'm here. And then he'll immediately go back to Elden Ring. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, it's severance. I'm doing the severance thing where I'm transitioning like my work mode. Like, I can't think about Elder. I got to think about the Batman. I met a wolf man, finally. <laughs> the dude I've been like waiting to meet. And I finally met him. His name is Blade, but it's spelled B-L-A-I-I-D-E. And I'm like, come on, what? What's the bread and butter, Brandon? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I forgot to mention about uh, Guinan. Um, so Guinan works at a... Guinan, uh, Guinan is, is a bartender in Star Trek in Next Generation. And she... Um, has opened a bar in Los Angeles in 2401 or when, whenever the show takes place. And it, the bar in the Enterprise is called 10 Forward because it's on the 10th deck and it's in the forward hall. And in the in Picard, she opened a bar in Forward Avenue at number 10. Ah, oh, beautiful. That's cool. That's I beautiful. like that. Anyway, they opened it and we're going next week. We got tickets. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I think I All saw right. like like... Whoopi, whoopi coffee, <laughs> whooping cough, don't no, whoopi Goldberg coffee, whoopi coffee. No, it's probably like fake sorry and brandy and shit like that. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, don't do they actually serve alcohol there? Yes, it's a bar. Don't mind me, just totally not texting Zara to get you drunk to so you could go buy Elden. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the money for that. I'm ready for this challenge. <laughs> I hear something right. hard. Some sad news up top, mm-hmm. John Stahl passed away this week he's a stage and uh theater actor as as well as probably the nerd community will know him most as richard karstark 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 Karstark. uh from game of thrones he passed away at the age of 69 specifically took over for seasons two and three he was not the actor for the character in season one Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's all that's all i know him from yeah that's yeah 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 um 69 is not that old either that sucks it it isn't, but it, if I have to say, it is it is a nice age. No. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'll allow it. Thank you. Uh, and then finally, Alan Ladd Jr. Now, this is not a name that you probably recognize offhand, but he is a longtime film producer. He he worked. He was the president of Fox Studios for a long time. Um, he is responsible primarily for green lighting projects such as Star Wars, Alien, Blade Runner, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Young Frankenstein, which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. He passed away at the age of 84 this week. Uh, he definitely is not like a name, like, you know, like an actor or director. But if you if you're in if you know, like film, you will you've seen his name a lot in credits, yeah. specifically like, yeah, like the 80s and shit. Like, mm-hmm. like he, he made a lot of the greatest movies ever made or helped help uh, produce yeah. a lot of the greatest movies ever made. Like I mean, a behind the scenes guy who's just like, I just want to make cool movies like that's awesome. I mean, Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the because this is Brandon. Did I hear you correctly earlier saying that this is the man who greenlit those films? Yeah, yeah. So he was the producer. He was the producer on a lot of them. Working with Fox Studios, he greenlit a lot of them. Yeah. So without him, we wouldn't get Star Wars, Alien, or or some of these amazing franchises that are still in very it's kind of possible. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that the person who said, yes, I want to, I want to take this shot on this guy from you from USC with his star Wars film. 
and it became the biggest franchise known to man. Well, that's, I mean, that that is the role of a producer, though. They're not an actor or director. They are the behind-the-scenes person. And, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of famous producers are known, but, like, not not really. They're not, they yeah. don't want to be famous. There's think. a lot of people, like, if Kathleen Kennedy wasn't the wasn't the president of Lucasfilm, we wouldn't know her name, yeah. most likely. Um, but, like, she, like, he, what he did was take these uh, stories, and, like, the guy who, who greenlit Back to the Future, like, this is a person who doesn't have a lot who doesn't have anything to their name. I like this. I have faith in this person and it paid off. And he did that a lot. And he did that with, uh, with scripts that completely bombed. Like Blade Runner was a bomb when it first came out. Oh yeah. Like the fact that, that, you know, he still took a chance on these things. That's, that says a lot. Yeah. And it's all, and it's a lot of genre stuff. And again, like genre stuff is like some of the riskiest stuff to make. Cause it's a lot of times expensive, especially in the 80s, yeah. especially in the 80s. Yeah. Blade Runner is like a yeah. production nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. Speaking of production nightmares, Craven the Hunter is oh. rounding out its cast. Uh, Ariana DeBose, or DeBose? DeBose. DeBose. Uh, DeBose. Uh, she recently um, is nominated for, for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for West Side Story. Nice. Um, she has been cast as Calypso. So this is... Calypso is a pretty small-scale Spider-Man villain who does have ties to Craven. So I'm like, all right, they are definitely building out that Spider-Man universe. Definitely Calypso is not the first character you'd pick for a Spider-Man movie, but for a Craven solo movie, you don't have a lot of options. Who we got? Who can we use? Uh, she's a, a great, great actress. Like, obviously, she's like nominated for a movie, but like, I, I don't. I'm interested in Craven. Just that, like, I like the character. I, I, I can't. Yeah. I don't else i'm honestly surprised this movie is moving forward as it is at this rate it'll be the next one that films no it's it is filming it's not filming it's not filming no they're still rounding out the cast and the, it, it, it will film this year but it hasn't started filming yet it's that movie's happening anyway alessandro nivola uh has been cast as the villain in the villain movie craven the hunter hmm. so you need a you need a worse bad guy to make your bad guy seem like a good guy Oh, I guess she'll be like uh, the bad guy that she that he, maybe a romance thing, and she teams up with him or whatever. I guess, sure, maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, alien news. Get off into something more exciting. I think um, we know no, that. Alien. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I am legend. I assume. Um, as we know, Noah Hawley's show is happening on Hulu, but now we know that uh, Fetty Alvarez, the director of the Evil Dead remake, uh, Don't Breathe. Uh, is directing a new alien film exclusively for Hulu w- produced by Ridley Scott. I'm excited. Isn't it also specifically not connected to the previous films? So yeah, so supposedly it's unconnected. This is what this has not been confirmed. This is just kind of what pe- insiders are talking about, what they're, what they're hearing. Um, it is supposedly unconnected to the previous films. Uh, and then the last bit of news on, I'll just get, get through this. Um, 20th Century uh, Studios has the the mandate to release and produce 10 films for Hulu this year. And that's just part of that. Cool. That's great. Like, Fede Alvarez is a, a good new, like, genre, genre director. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And putting it on Hulu means that it probably will be a small scale, just like a good alien movie. Like the Predator movie. Like the Predator movie we're getting soon. And I'm like, right. that's fantastic. This is like only good sign it's like a good it's a good outcome of the disney disney buying deal yeah i think my my only trepidation is is in 
I don't really know what I want out of an alien movie right now, but I do like Fede Alvarez and mm-hmm. I'm excited about the Noah Hawley series. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at too. Like I'm far more interested in the predator mythos right now. So I'm super stoked for prey. Um, yeah. I just but, see a lot more avenues of what I want explored out of Predator than I do out of Alien right now. Because to be honest, gun to my head, what do I want explored out of Alien right now? I still kind of do want to find follow David. So, <laughs> I, like, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't really want really Scott driving the wheels, but I do kind of want the next step in that David story. And that's the problem. Yeah, is because you need Ridley, and I don't want Ridley. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, no, uh, I acknowledge yeah. it. I acknowledge it. It's yeah, just yeah. like in the films, that's kind of. The, the path I see right now so you gotta oh, yeah. you gotta open you it, it makes sense if it's unconnected because you kind of have to open a brand new door at this point I, I, I if you're not yeah. getting Blomkamp's uh Superman yeah, Return style sequel yeah. I I think this will be very much like almost exactly like Prey just a self-contained yeah. mm-hmm. as Xenomorph is dealing with people somewhere and I'm like okay cool and I'm down and I'm down for that um yeah. Fetty Alvarez is an exciting director I like him quite a bit I love Evil Dead the his yeah. remake of Evil Dead um so and so, like, I think that he can bring a lot of really cool horror stuff to Alien. Um, you know, don't breathe. Ooh, uh, just, could, tell story, could... just tell me the story of Monica. <laughs> from from Fire Alien Team Elite. Fire Team Elite. That's in a book. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta read the Make book. A Make it super canon. Um, and I think this is also a good sign. The fact that, like, Prey was a holdover from uh, Disney's buyout of Fox. So, like, that was, hap- that was in the works. They couldn't stop that. It is nice that this is... A Disney produced 20th Century Fox uh, produced um, 20th Century pr- produced Alien film. Like Disney was like, yeah, make an Alien film. Like put it on Hulu, do I that. I was yeah, they were always gonna do that. It's a good, but uh, you know, whether or not you're worried, it's a good outcome. Yeah, yeah for saying. sure, absolutely. All right, I am Legend. Apparently, they're making a sequel. I am Legend is getting a sequel with Michael B. Jordan and Will Smith attached to star. If Will Smith wasn't in this i'd be more excited because i've seen that movie and his character his character's dead his character i think well, he dies right be. well unless they unless the you guys there's the two endings think, yeah there's like a, another ending that came off the dvd where it's like there's an alternate ending and it's like it's so... better and it's a better ending it's a better oh, ending. i'm sorry i'm sorry the original ending he finds the camp or whatever right yeah. he survived okay no, no, no the, the girl the girl and the kid find the camp okay so the, the original, ending. the ending in theaters, the ending that premiered in theaters was the one where he gets the grenade and he slams against the window and he explodes with the vampire yes. people. Yes. That's the original ending. The alternate ending is he gives the person, he gives the, the guy that he took away because he learned that he is in fact the monster to these creatures and he goes off and if that's the ending, fine. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's that's the thing because like the original book's all about like he is the monster, yes. he is the legend. Yes. Uh, and like the, the original, and then like the original ending like the, God, destroys that. God, yes. that uh, that alternate ending is so good. That book is good. So I, I do wonder if they're if they're bouncing off the original, the, the 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 alternate ending. Yeah. Um. That's like, weird. That is weird, but like crazier mm-hmm. things have happened. I guess that's true. Yeah. I ultimately I agree with Ryan. I. I well, I, you know what? Honestly, I'm not even interested. I'm I like, I like, honestly, like, even if Will Smith wasn't attached, I, I like Michael B. Jordan. I, do too, I, yeah. I don't need I Am Legend revisited. I would almost uh, rather than of years later. Yeah. Because I would rather them just remake the actual book, like, how it's supposed to be. Agreed. Because they yeah. did that with Charlton Heston, I Am Omega, like, in the 70s or whatever. And like, even then, like, it's, it's very loose and not getting at yeah. the heart of what it is. But, like, having read that yeah. in this past year, like, there, there's a story you could tell that is very contemporary and influential right now and 
pretty much is a perfect adaptation of that. Make where that it truly into like a show, like, man. Where it, where it really is like his solo operation of of how he's seeing the world and what he's doing, and ultimately learning that he's now the bad guy and he's outdated. I am uh, legend and what like an and what human beings are going like what human life on the planet is going to be going forward. And I just don't know who this is for or. Yeah. Eh. Damn it, Frank! Not, this isn't me saying like, oh, it'll be bad. This is me saying at this moment, I have zero interest. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just like Michael B. Jordan, but even then, like, honestly, yeah, I don't think I'm interested. At this point, I Am Legend is probably best remembered for the fake Batman Superman poster in it. Can't believe it. Yeah. Came true. Yeah. I think, I think I Am Legend has a really... That's it's not a good adaptation of that of that story necessarily, but I do think it is a good performance by Will Smith carrying almost an entirely solo performance. And I do think he really sells that. And he does a, 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 a part where he talks about Shrek. And to, awesome. this, to this day, one of the most emotional death of a pet scenes. Oh, I yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, truthfully, I liked I Am Legend. Uh, regard, I liked the ending when I first saw it, but then like, you know, I changed my mind after a while, um, rightfully. But, Once I uh, knew that there was a better ending. Yes, that's when I was like, "You shouldn't have shown us this." Right. Um, <laughs> I, so like, I, so like, I like real quickly, Sparks. Let me finish what I was saying. Like, I, I, no, I like that movie. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> I like that movie. On paper, I'm not, I'm not totally against revisiting the world of I Am Legend. I would just prefer a more faithful adaptation at this point because it has been. We are now so far removed that we could, we could just remake that book again. Yeah, it is. It is so far away. Again, like if you're gonna make a sequel, like obviously Michael B. Jordan wasn't why famous 15 years ago, but like why... why can't why can't I Am Legend be like the genre? Um, uh, shit, the name's not in my head, but the Invasion Star of the Body Snatchers, Born, Star is oh, Born, Star where is you get Born. a different interpretation like every 20 years, and that's yeah. kind of what's basically happened by I Am Legend. There are three adaptations so far. Why not just have another? Yeah. Yeah. Why are we? I I don't see the point in doing a sequel. To Again, the story. I think I don't yeah. think it left that that room for me to be interested in it and i think that ultimately a, a different interpretation especially a more modern interpretation so that the world is at the point that it is but adapting the elements of that story as it was written to fit the modern day is a more interesting setup than what we're doing here yeah. make it a show make it an hbo show Bing -bong. oh i don't know if that's always the right choice <laughs> no but i'm saying like that is i would rather yeah, no i would too i yeah. would too slowly learn he's a monster that's awesome yeah this is not um, a surprise to anyone, I'm sure, but Bender, John DiMaggio, has officially signed a deal to return as Bender in Futurama. I'm back, baby. It, it was not, it was very clear it was not going to go forward without him at some point. No, I, there's no way. I just can't imagine that show without him. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Nobody could. Yeah. <laughs> Voice actors weren't going to take the role. Yeah. As mm -hmm. like, it, it was a it was a sinking ship unless you got him on board. So they yeah. had to pony up the money. Get that money! Um, I, 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 I hope that it, that... go ahead. I hope that the rest of the cast got uh, extra money too, decently compensated as they are deserved. Because that was one of the things John DiMaggio was saying is he's like, I understand that they took the deal. I think they're worth more, just like I think I'm worth more. What a sweet man! Yeah, what a guy. He's I like, I, it's not just me. I don't think that just me should get more. I think everybody should get more, especially all those actors coming back for Futurama who played multiple yeah. roles. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I hope everyone got paid. All right. The Santa Claus TV series. We've talked about this before. Real quick, sorry, sorry. Uh, real quick, I think we didn't talk about it in the news, but I do think this is cool. Um, this is, I, I think, a good moment of like, I'm hoping that this is a trend, like the John DiMaggio thing. I hope we're getting to a point where we start like treating our voice actors better, start recognizing them for the work that they do, the people who are true voice actors better, because we had the voice actor for Tales, 
uh, finally get put on the poster. Oh, that's awesome. And get their own character yeah. poster where they're, where they're actually now included on the poster. Even though they're not like a household name, <laughs> they deserve to be up there just like everybody else. Is this the first time that that's ever happened? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Out of the backlash. Like a someone voice who is actor playing a household, their character? Who is someone who is not a household name yeah. getting to come back and reprise their character from like a, a different thing. And then getting it like the top billing with everyone else as is deserved. That's so cool. Yeah, man. that did happen because the fans backlashed hard enough. They re-released the poster with them on it. Good for her. Uh, That's great. As it should be. And I'm glad that we're seeing that. And kudos to the Sonic the Hedgehog team for doing it. Yeah. Quite honestly, kudos to the Sonic the Hedgehog team. Um, period. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a, a great mate on my on on a on a page that I'm on. Um, shout out to anybody of you guys who watch this. Um, but. And he was like, "Yeah, I mean, if you go watch an, uh, Uncharted, like it, you know, it's not going to be the game, but it's a fine adapt, it's a fine adventure film." And so, like, I, I said, "I want what Sonic fans are getting. I want a good, faithful adaptation of a game that I love from the people who from, from people who love it." Mm -hmm. I, the best review I've heard of Uncharted is like, "Yeah, if you don't go in thinking it's the games, you can, you might have a good time." I don't want that. Right. Sure. Yeah. I want a good thing. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I mean, that's no, like okay. almost the whole Resident Evil franchise too. But yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, like I totally get like, if, like Resident Evil is a good example. Like, if you don't, if you don't like the Resident Evil movies because they're not the, they're not, you know, they're not the games. I get it. I get it. Anyway. You know, but after like four, you're like, I should stop coming in with expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Wait, Resident Evil 7's not like the game? Come on, man. Resi like... Resident Evil 3 is the one where you should have shifted. Resident Evil 2, like, it tricks you. Yeah. Nemesis tricks you. When it goes from being like an apocalypse to like a, a winter wasteland from the next movie, you're like, oh, there's no, I don't even, whatever. <laughs> it's so good. It's like, what do you mean Lady Demetrescu's in the Resident Evil movie? What the hell? Oh my God, she shows up randomly for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're the kind of producers that would have done that anyway i'm happy for sonic fans like really so i'm so happy that sonic the hedgehog 2 looks as good as it does oh man we are we were, we were showing the tv spot and um that and lost say like the minute long trailers that's been playing online recently that was in front of the batman for us and just seeing a, the rope the eggman robot for that that split second where you see the eggman face i'm like i cannot wait it looks so good it looks so good it's cool because they haven't really shown anything like they've shown like that big set piece but i know that's not that's not the big thing right so like it's really cool that like oh i'm like excited for like like a big sonic blockbuster like it's exciting it's cool man respect your voice actors respect your source material there you go hashtag respect your voice actors hashtag respect the source material all right the Santa Claus. Let's shift oh, gears oh, oh. a bit. Um, the the TV series sequel to the Santa Claus trilogy Disney, on Disney Plus um, has cast Cal Penn as uh, supposedly the guy who is taking over. Uh, he better Cal be. Penn. I'm for it. I'm, I'm, I love Cal Penn. He's great. Yeah, he's I'm so for cool. It. I think he's got. I think he's got the right energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just again like we talked about whenever we last talked about. It, I was like, I hope it's not just another white dude. Cause like that would be really boring and shitty. I'm like, cool. Like Hal Penn's a cool dude. He's really funny. Uh, uh, LGBT. Like that's even better. Like, sorry, Tim, sorry, Tim Allen. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> you're right. You can't, you can't really get quite more like <laughs> screw Tim Allen's beliefs than making him pass the torch to this guy. That's that exactly. And that's, that's the thing we were talking about. Like, make it really like modern and cool don't just do like the same thing and i'm like this this is exciting i really hope he is like the next guy and he's not like 
his best friend or like a, a co- like a coworker or something. Yeah, they, no, they did not say for sure, but that's kind of the the wording that that they were going with. So we have reason to believe. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good is the guy who played Kumar, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, cool. it was Harold actually. Shut up. Actually, played both. He has. To, he, he oh, you're right. Two. Because when, I, when you guys said many Cal people think think it's John Cho, but no, it's actually yeah, Cal Penn. John Cho doesn't think, exist. No, because when you guys said Cal Penn, <laughs> he's just Cal Penn. Sorry, Ben. When you guys said Cal Penn, I, my brain had to go was like, wait, who's Cal Penn? And first thing I thought of uh, Camille Nanjiani, I'm like, nope, that's not him. That's definitely not him. Uh, he was, was like, on one of the the House. doctor shows. House. He was on House. Yeah, he was on. And he was on House. And of course, I just I'm thinking of that scene from Harold and Kumar three where. Harold shoots Santa in the face. <laughs> also, also served in the Obama administration for a you while. Did yeah, sure. I did? Very smart man. Oh, that was really cool. Sparks and I got a bit about the after party, but it was and and even last week, Sparks said exactly what they should do, and they apparently heard him because the after party has been renewed for a second season with Tiffany Haddish returning as her character from the first season with a new supporting cast. Yes, I suspect that uh, the the finale gave me reason to believe that uh, she has her second in command. Uh, I forget the actor's name right now, but you know who I'm talking about. He'll definitely be coming back. And then uh, at least two of our suspects, I do believe, have been left the door open to return for a second season with with reason. Yeah. Um, But I won't say more than that. But uh, it it would be great. I hope those are because I I would love those two characters to return. Um, But this is awesome. the, The Tiffany Hiddish episode made me very confident this was going to happen and i'm i'm very open to it and happy for it uh phil lord and chris miller have another winner on their hands uh, without i mean i know you're going to spoil it would this be a continuation or would it be a new mystery it would be a new mystery okay even with old suspects so um i i i definitely don't want to spoil it no, but yeah, there's a, there is a reason why one character in particular uh is helpful mm. to her and could be, they left a little tease of like why she could call upon him again. Gotcha. And he comes with another character because they're connected to each other. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, I could see where that bridge would happen. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, it's doing the age old murder mystery story. I'm really happy to see it done. There's just the detective bounces from murder mystery to murder mystery to murder mystery I, with I, different large supporting casts. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I don't think it is exactly that. It will be like the, the knives out and Poirot kind yeah. of thing. But um, it, because they're still, they all live still in the same area, the same, they all live in Los Angeles. So there's still room for, they live in the same area. Meet I can see where in like the fifth episode of the second season, it's like I could use a second pair of eyes mm-hmm. and calls the, this this suspect in. Gotcha. The Mandalorian. Thing. I don't think they would be like a main character through the entire season, but I could see them making a reprisal appearance. Gotcha. Uh, let's see where this takes us. Cuphead was renewed, quote unquote. Which isn't true. Which isn't true. For season two, uh, this was dirty of Netflix to do this. This is not the case. It, is, in fact, is part of the first season order. This is just the second of three drops of season this one. Is a, this is a way that they don't have to pay their animators as much. Yes, it is. Uh, they did this for Voltron. Uh, Voltron initially had a 76-episode season that they spliced into eight. Um, and so they've been doing it ever since to animation. They just order a chunk and then drop them and call them new seasons. It sucks. Yeah, that's... That's shitty. Yeah, uh, it's a it. it's a workaround loophole where they don't have to pay the animators as much because of how they're distributing it. Yeah, and it's crappy. Mm. Yeah, it's like you make you make more at once, so you don't get paid for the long term of it. 
and then you yeah. just release it later on. That's incredibly shit. And so they're not having to increase the contracts and there's no room for negotiation wow. going forward for the animators part um, well, that's... on the rest of the program. Well, so if it gets a fourth season, that's when you know the contracts have been revisited. Right. Oh, um, yeah. Because they got three, they, they ordered enough episodes for three quote unquote drops. Because they're like short So seasons. yes, like yeah, uh, cool that there will be more of the Cuphead show. Kind of shitty that this is still how Netflix is uh, yeah. handling things. With we would have got this anyway. They're just doing yeah. it in a shitty way. Yeah. 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 Like there was no world because like, especially because like the initial announcement was like, it's coming this summer. And I was like, I knew it was like, that's not a season order. There is no that's way that you bad. ordered a season that's coming out that quickly. Mm-hmm. That's a Arcane is a season order. <laughs> Arcane yeah. was a season order. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, th- this whole thing of like, um, because because like that show took a long time to animate, so like there's no way that they had enough lead time to put something out in the summer unless the episodes were already done. Yeah, yeah, the Netflix Arcane season two order is like, yeah, check back in 2025, right? Then we'll see where we're if, it, where we're, if we have any plan. The season two, season two of Arcane was uh such a surprise that they were like, look, we get we did get the season order. It's not coming for a while, so stay tuned. Let us write it first, please. It's got um, anyway, so yeah, that sucks. I, I hope they, I hope Netflix, I hope this kind of this like because we've seen a lot of people who work on Cuphead who've worked in animation with Netflix have talked about how this is the case um, and has kind of created like a groundswell support. You know, hopefully this kind of leads to Netflix um, maybe thinking a little better about about these kinds of deals. Mm-hmm. maybe but unfortunately as i as similar to our voice actor discussion i think these things unless they get rampant amount of attention which fortunately the sonic fan base is very dedicated to sonic the hedgehog and so they took it very seriously when they saw their tails voice actor being slighted um and that caused a studio response which is great uh that's that was very easy for them to do um it was great that tails got their own character poster that's just them and their name which is great yeah. Uh, I think unless that pressure gets put on, things aren't going to change. And even yeah. then, I, it's going to take a lot to get it to change across the board. I agree. All right. Moving on, though. Um, the Defenders TV series have left Netflix. The Netflix original shows, Marvel shows, have left Netflix. Um, and uh, before, up until now, it was kind of only confirmed that Canada was getting them in March, but they have now confirmed that around the world where Disney Plus is. Uh, They're all coming to Disney Plus on March 16th with new parental controls. Amazing. Y'all y'all get to see some banging. Y'all. Some blood. Some kids are about some, to experience there. A lot of black people saying the end. Oh my God, Luke Cage. Cage. <laughs> Mommy, what are they doing? I think this is also, I think the parental controls are probably their way of doing what they do in uh, other countries where Star is kind of their Hulu, but it's part of Disney Plus. This, we're going to see De- we're going to see Deadpool and Logan on Disney Plus soon. This yeah. is what this is. And probably do you remember the day when now. this was announced and Kevin Feige straight up said there's not going to be any R-rated content on Disney Plus? No, he said there's not going to be any R-rated movies that the MCU will make, which he has not he has not come, has not retracted yet. Technically, we'll see. Moon Knight's a television show. So. And That's technically, in technically, the MCU is making Deadpool still. Oh, you're right. like that's our rated. Ryan so. Reynolds just said, "Expect Deadpool news sooner rather than later," yeah. and that just like, wow, that's really exciting, actually. Wow, well, Doctor Strange can't. 
anyway oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um i think that's really cool i'm really happy that those shows are not getting like, i i kind of felt like this deal made it might have been in place for a little while now but i do think this was heightened by the fact that these characters have returned some of these characters have returned in the mcu and yeah. different products and disney did not mm-hmm. like the idea that another streaming service was getting a bump because of what they were putting out and so they wanted everything consolidated in one place as they always do in house um, keep it in house yeah so i'm i'm happy that instead of taking them and then we're, they're just gone they're not burying them they're just like and so soon like this is just a couple of weeks it's two weeks yeah, and then they're on Disney Plus. Two weeks Again, after like, they left. I can't, Disney's doing I can't wait to right, see man. the numbers that they start doing on Disney Plus now. That right. There are people who maybe didn't have Netflix, oh but were God. interested because of the MCU, and they're going to be like, "Whoa, Daredevil has a show!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Ooh. The thing, the Ooh. thing that's so great is Christian like, Ritter and Mike Coulter are going at it. Oh yeah! Oh, the Saint Joe, the Saint Joe Daddy's Disney, Disney Channel. Uh, the thing that was like, hey, really that one guy from uh, oh, Spider-Man yeah. uh, Far From Home or No Way Home. What is he doing with that Electro Lady? Um, the thing that's most exciting for me is like I I wasn't worried about Daredevil coming. Yeah. Uh, like there's no reason for me to think that they wouldn't put all of them on there, right? But there was a part of me of like, are they going to put Punisher on Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Because the Punisher, while it is, all the other shows are violent, the Punisher is the most violent, the most like sad one of those all those shows for sure. So the fact that they are putting that on there means like. Okay, they're really just doing it. And again, like that makes me so happy. They're just committing to it. Like, we made this. The Punisher is a mature character. Here he is. Parental controls. Uh, Emma, you suck. Uh, just, <laughs> it's great. It's just like, again, they, they could have been, they're doing, they could have done all the wrong things I, and they're just continually doing the right things. And that's great. I, I think this does mean reasonably that a potential Daredevil season four can push towards not still not really going to be as hard as the netflix shows but push further into that direction than moon knight level which is not quite there but like more maybe even more like yeah. again like we don't know because we haven't seen moon knight yet but maybe even further than that but i still don't think like i don't know that they'll ever go as far as the netflix shows i don't know that that will ever yeah. happen but i do think they'll be more bold than they were going to be otherwise just because the presence is there yeah yeah, yep. I, th- I think it's really great that the, uh, doing these parental controls thing w- was something that like even Chapek was talking about when he took over that um, they don't want this kind of content on on Disney Plus. They want it on Hulu. Um, and I think uh, cooler heads prevailed thing with the numbers that Star does on Disney Plus and other countries probably also uh, helped this decision. Um, I, I, and, and the other thing is this kind of set the precedent of now studios who uh have have like sold their shows not to netflix to make mind you this was netflix money that made these shows um can now take those shows for example and the only one that i keep coming to is strangely enough is gilmore girls year in the life which is a warner brothers tv series on netflix like that can be taken off of netflix and be put on hbo max man do you think I'm like picturing like the beginning of like I put on Daredevil and the first thing I see is not the Netflix logo. It's Disney Plus. Yeah. Will it, yeah. Yeah. Or will they keep the Netflix oh. logo? And because... then it's the bloody, the bloody opening. <laughs> because like Netflix, Netflix still put more than half the money in for those shows. Mm-hmm. So like it's still a Netflix production. It's not just a Marvel Entertainment or ABC production. It is so funny that in the end that these Netflix made shows Netflix got fucked by them. That's yeah. so funny because now they they put more than half the money in. Now they don't even have those shows anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's so juicy. I mean, it's I'm so sure crazy. they got a nice paycheck. Sure, but I'm like, those shows aren't on there anymore. That's crazy. That's so yeah. crazy. Like, that's the thing where I'm like, those will always be on Netflix. Those are Netflix made business, baby. No, it's they're crazy. not. 
Business is crazy. In six months, Disney stores start selling the Defenders like logo oh. t-shirt with the characters from the Netflix shows, and you're like, Damn, "Listen, that really got them. That Defenders <laughs> really got them. That Defenders season <laughs> is totally fine. If you guys want to do like another one with all those characters, I don't think anyone will be mad. <laughs> Not at all. Well, except now, uh, Danny would be replaced by Connie. Colleen. Might be a stretch. Oh, you know what? Now that sorry, but real quickly, they have no excuse to do anything that dis- that discounts the continuity of these shows. That's true. Yeah, they are. They are canon. Jessica Chandler, come back. Matrix is done. Also, Agents of Shield is there. Also, Agents of Shield is there. Yes, there. Agents of Shield. uh, Netflix has also lost the streaming rights to Agents of Shield that's being put on Disney Plus. Although it was on Disney Plus when Disney Plus first launched, and now it's coming back. Beautiful. Hey man, there's some good stuff on that show. Ben, did you have anything you wanted to add? I'm sorry. Uh, nah, it was just another. It was a supplement. Sparks comment of where you can see T-shirts with defenders and then the Halloween costumes of Daredevil and right. Dan Rand. It's 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 really cool that Daredevil is getting like a gonna get like another second resurgence because like like that show is really popular and really beloved. But like there was a time <laughs> where like oh man is is it done? But like I, no, he's back, baby. I am very convinced right now that Kristen Ritter's in She-Hulk. Yeah. Oh, Hondo. I am hundred percent convinced. Um, after after Daredevil's appearance in No Way Home, and then especially with Hawkeye, Kingpin, and this, I'm like, and this, because and this built-in content, like they go see She-Hulk. Oh shit, Jessica Jones, that's over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm now also convinced that that of what that Echo show is. <gasps> mm-hmm. What so we were hearing about that Echo show pre-season four, yeah, yeah, season three point five, yeah, yep. Boba Fett, book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Please, hopefully not. Please, no, God, no. Book of Echo. <laughs> Book of Echo. All right, anyway. Yeah. Funimation was in mm. the news this week. Mm. Funimation has merged with oh. Crunchyroll. Oh, yeah, this happened. Not only are they consolidating everything, such as, so so Funimation, Wakanim and Verve are all going to be on Crunchyroll exclusively now. They're not, they don't have their own streaming services anymore. It's all Crunchyroll. Wow. Not only that, though, supposedly Funimation is no more and it is now just Crunchyroll. So there's no Funimation name anymore. It is now just Crunchyroll. I mean, it's Anime. been phased out. Funimation technically is still the name. It will be phased out because if you go to like Funimation.com, that still exists. So it's going to take time. But yeah. the company itself has now changed to Crunchyroll LLC. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, an era is over. Kind of sad. I think Crunchyroll is a is a worse name than Funimation, um, so I I would have rather seen everything rebrand under Funimation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But also very impressive because uh, Crunchyroll, what a success story for that because that is piracy from the early days of the internet coming up <laughs> <laughs> all the way to this point. There was how a bunch of people watched anime. I mean, I'm I'll say it. I I would watch a, episodes of Nagima by scouring YouTube and and finding episode five. Get him! One. Get him! We got him! Get him! Everybody! Get him, Gordon! We got him! <laughs> I I I would never say it, but Yar Ben is right. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. yeah. It, it it is crazy that like crunchyroll started there and now they're like a premier streaming service and like the now the place for anime now like it, it is it's just yeah. anime almost now I mean, right like, pretty much international yeah wow 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 oh yeah you think it's a good um, especially because crunchyroll you have like a bunch of simulcasts with japan that are subtitled and ready to go sometimes they do the sub and the dub at the same time they air in japan 
and with this merger, it's actually have making me consider subscribing to Crunchyroll because I was getting a lot of my anime through Verve. I saw a bunch of really good shows through there, but now that Verve went to shit a few weeks or a few months ago, more than um, a few months ago, let's be honest. What's up? More than a few months ago, let's be honest. Yeah, more than a few months ago. But when Verve died, it was like, well, I had a lot of really fun anime shows on there, and then I look over at fun issues like, yo, a lot of shows I like are over there. Let me know when Dragon Ball Super starts streaming, and then we'll talk. Yeah, All I right. mean that that would be the thing. Like right now, you'll everything that's Funimation, so dub and sub becomes part of Crunchyroll. Yeah. So if you got a Funimation account, you go over to Crunchyroll now. You got all. You that. got it. Yeah. You're there. Um, I meant I meant the new season of Super. Of Super. Like when when oh, that sure, goes, sure. I'll I'll do a I'll do a subscription. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. That that's uh, especially the Crunchyroll. Oh, they don't have that deal with with HBO Max now, do they? No, it's right. it, that, that is Crunchyroll and Funimation and all that now falls under Sony's umbrella. This is one of Sony's biggest branches now. Mm-hmm. They wow. own anime internationally. That's what's happening. They need it. Good for them. Now give us that superhero movie. All right. Soon. Um. Yeah. So cool. Uh. It, it. It. Like Ryan said, it's an end of an era. I wanted to bring it up because like Funimation was like. I knew people who worked at Funimation. Like, obviously, Dragon Ball is huge for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss the name. And, I'm not gonna lie. And nobody is losing their jobs. No, this, yeah. like that's not what's happening. It's just now Funimation's gonna be called Crunchyroll, and that's gonna roll out slowly over time. And it's kind of like, well, it's just a dying name, and that's kind of sad because I, mm-hmm. I personally, I prefer the interface and presence and coloring and name and aesthetic that Funimation came with over Crunchyroll. Personally, yeah. I miss the Funimation booth at Comic Con. I mean, that will be there. It'll just be. Well, it'll be there still. It'll, it'll, it'll be there, but it's like the Funimation booth and the Crunchyroll booth just says it's on the same ring to it. Oh, well, I'll get over it. Kevin Smith was in the news this week. He's launching an entire comic book line with He's Dark Horse. Again. I'm sorry. He's killed again. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Smith has killed once again. <laughs> Why can't we catch him? He's on um, the podcast every week. We know where he is. It's the it's that nobody can get into that that super exclusive club he goes to the oh, Star Wars bar thing. that's open every day. <laughs> I was able to get in. I know that's the joke. Um, okay, anyway, what's it called? Three Sons, Scum and Villainy. Um, so uh, obviously we we probably all know at this point that he has a comic book store. He's had one for years called Secret Stash. Um, he is launching Secret Stash Press at Dark Horse Comics. So this is going to be an imprint published through Dark Horse. It's going to launch with his first title called Masquerade. That's going to launch in the fall. It's going to be an eight-issue miniseries about a, a budding vigilante. That's all the information they gave us at this point, but he's writing all the issues. No artist at this point mentioned. Um, and then after that, he'll follow that up with an, an with an ongoing anthology called Quick Stops, which is set in, in his View universe um, and will include characters from films like Clerks, Small Rats, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Okay. That's, that's what he's doing, making yeah. comics. That's that's super cool for all of Kevin Smith's super fans. Yeah, that's no uh, like like honestly like that's cool that he gets like, hey man, I want to make a comic with uh, with my my entire universe that I spent twenty five years making. Like I have no problem with that. I'm not gonna read it. That's really cool though. I would have yeah. read it maybe fifteen years ago, but it didn't exist then. Um, he loves comics, so it's cool that he gets to still create rather than. Uh, blowing 125 million dollars off on a on a passion project that nobody's gonna see. Yeah, exactly. that he sold as an NFT. I'm still mad about that. Yeah, well, you know, we all make mistakes. 
All right. Anyway, trailers. <gasps> Time to go to the park. Trailer park. Dragon Ball Super Superhero. They say the word superhero a lot in this in this trailer. They're, they're superheroes, Ryan. Of course they do. So now we know for sure there's something else besides Androids 2 and 1. It's definitely Cell in that thing, right? Uh, So I've seen some pretty convincing theories going around that it's actually going to be canonizing Android 21. Uh, if you see heroes two and one stand next to each other 21. on the other side they, they okay. say 21 All right. uh when we see that one shot of the red ribbon army dude talking about other heroes boo is up there mm -hmm. and 21 has a majin form so people are thinking they kind of sell i did create Ma the majin boo egg but i thought because it's cell like it's a cell egg but like that also makes yeah sense. so uh so I, can you say can you explain a little bit who android 21 is android in the canon? 21 Android 21 is a video game character um, that that is uh, the, the, essentially the next step of the Red Ribbon, uh, an ultimate android, perfect form. She is a lady character. She's very powerful, and she has a Majin form because she has Majin DNA built into her. Um, she's cool, uh, but she is a game-only character up to this point. Uh, I, I did also go like, this, this is probably Cell, uh, but there's some pretty convincing like that two and one thing mm -hmm. is exactly the kind of teasy clue thing that Toriyama does. Makes sense. It would not shock me if this uh, actually is the way that Toriyama decides to take his own take on this character, Android 21. He did design her visually, um, but he did nothing else to. Oh yeah. She's in fight. Yeah. She's in fighters. I was like, yeah, is she in fighters? Universe? No. Yeah. She's in fighters. Yeah. She's yeah. a, yeah, she's a cool lady. Um, uh, yeah, they they uh, Toriyama seems to be at a point where he wants to canonize all the creations he's done uh, that he didn't get to play with. I think that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I I think there's a good chance of that I'm I'm honestly kind of like I I don't know how I feel about Cell coming back, uh, even though I think Cell is amazing. I also don't necessarily want that tarnished. I'm sure Toriyama would do a great job, but but do we need to do this after we've already done Frieza? Yeah, back? not every character has to come back. Yeah, right. Um. So the, the idea that this could be Android 21, I, I, I find pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. I think that and we'll see what that ultimately turns into. We also yeah. do get a clear shot of Broly in this trailer mm -hmm. uh, for those who we knew he was in this movie, but here, here it is again. Um, also, they released some uh, art. We do know we're going to see uh, Chile and uh, Limon. Yeah, I love uh, them. Again, both of them will be back. Oh, I love them. Because um, uh, their, their visual art was released. I love those guys. Yeah, Hang I'm really Broly. glad that everybody's coming back for this. Um, yeah. This also trailer uh, established that the Red Ribbon guys are going to steal Pan. Mm. Boy, did they screw up. They <laughs> stole uh, the wrong baby. I'm, I am so excited for Gohan to get in at it. Uh, He's wearing his his his, uh, his, his like purple. purple his, his piccolo purple, outfit. His piccolo yeah. outfit looks so sick. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. There's a lot of stuff in this trailer that I really like. For one, is giving Gohan kind of the spotlight. Because I don't think Goku is going to have a big role in this movie. I have a theory that Red Ribbon's uh, this whole like superhero thing, the reason that they're making this march, I think they are trying to like get the world on their side kind of thing. I think it is a press move. And I think they're trying to out Gohan as, as Great Sam. Yeah, they're trying to be, they yeah. are trying to be superheroes. I, think, I yeah. think they're going to out him. I think they're going to say he's he's been Great oh. Sam and he hasn't done anything useful for you. He's actually kind of been the problem. I think they're going to try to blame Cell on Gohan. Oh. Uh, and I think that they're going to say like Great Saiyan Man's not really the hero you think he is, that kind of thing. Is, um, is they're the, like Superman, the elite. I think, like, I think they're going to use his relation to the Dell. Uh, because they're going to say like the whole cell Hercule thing was actually staged Ooh. because he's married to 
Hercule's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're going to out him entirely for that and try that. That might be a little too complicated for Toriyama. That might, I might be big braining a little too hard on that one, but I, I think there's room for, for them to go at it this way. I, I'm, I'm just super intrigued by what they're doing, but I will say the one thing that this trailer did cement for me, this animation's a step backwards and it bums me out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I wanted to, I wanted to bring up a, a couple of points uh, that this trailer brings up, which is uh, that the Red Ribbon Army is, is I find interesting that they're, they're like, they're making a point to bring back the Red Ribbon Army because it hasn't been in Dragon Ball for a long time; it's been decimated, um, and so they're like, we're rebuilding the Red Ribbon Army through this kind of press uh, uh, thing with these superhero androids. Um, I like all that. I really like what I'm seeing as far as the story. Like I mentioned before, uh, uh, that. Goku doesn't look like he's a big part of this, which gives Gohan the chance to shine, especially because it does involve her, his daughter. Um, we get a hint at like a new form, which is interesting because like all of Super, he was like, I don't want to go Super Saiyan. Um, uh, I want to learn how to get stronger without going Super Saiyan, which was really cool. Uh, but in here, um, maybe Rage won out or he found the new form. Um, yeah. Outside of Super Saiyan, interesting. I mean, I, I mean, love, they took his baby girl. Yeah, I love like the whole the whole thing with Gohan and him becoming like Mystic Saiyan. Like, I love that Gohan has like his own different route. So I do hope he gets some type of other form. I wouldn't mind that. Um, yeah, because again, like we, he hasn't had a lot of focus recently in like in Dragon Ball or, or Super. And I'm like, Gohan is like the best. And like when like like my favorite stuff is like Gohan versus Cell. Like that specific. Like Gohan is the coolest teenager there. And I'm like, he never got cooler than there, and he deserves to. It's unfortunate. It. It's unfortunate that when they they I mean obviously like they kept going with the Majin Buu storyline, um, but like Gohan was nerfed at the after that point. You know, for whatever story reasons you can come up with or whatever they they had in mind, you know, it was a step backwards for the character of Gohan, and it was unfortunate for fans of that arc, especially like in that character of Gohan, that to go through that whole show, the rest of that show, even with the Mystic Say and stuff or, and whatnot, but like and then all of super practically with Gohan with Gohan just being goofy dad up until maybe the final arc of, of super, which is really cool to watch. So like, I'm, I'm glad that we're giving him and, and hopefully we're just giving him a movie. Obviously Goku has to be in it, but like, this is his movie. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the involvement of everyone is going to be uh, and what ultimately that, that new ultimate, thing is going to be and it's next uh, be month it cell or android 21 or something brand new yeah, yeah. um hopefully we, we learn when it's coming to the states soon i i have a sneaking suspicion not something brand new i'm pretty sure it's one of those two things yeah mm. well 21 would be new to people who don't play video games sure 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 so that but would I mean be not, cool but i mean not like a, a brand new completely never yeah. before seen character i think i think those are two and one those are new brand new characters and then this is going to be something we've seen yeah yeah all right, um, moving on. Um, there was a new unbearable way to massive talent trailer that dropped with the Batman, but it's not online. So, technically, technically the same with that Sonic Two trailer. There was some new footage in that one that dropped with the Batman too. Yeah, also um, not online. Crazy. Also, did they release the newer DC like slate thing? Because it was a improved version. Oh no, was... I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I, mean, okay, I, well, I don't DC slate thing from mine. So, wait, you didn't have the DC slate. No, See, like, we're showing like the flash. Okay, we did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're saying that 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 it's updated. And it's a little was, little least online. I no, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm still excited for that unbearably uh, massive. Um, movie, yeah. Unbearable way to massive ta- massive talent did reveal more of what what is actually going on in that movie. It's it's the interview. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be a spy and try to try to murder a man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, 
but the the trailer that was released online that dropped with the Batman was DC League of Super Pets, a new trailer for that. I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed like the scene that they showed with yes. Batman and Kevin Hart. Like I thought it was really funny. Uh, I'm still not interested in all those random other pets, but like the stuff they showed in this, I was like, I'm right. Really if this if this were just a movie focusing on like the relationship between Crypto and Superman and Ace and Batman yes. and through the eyes of Ace and Crypto, and it was just like a buddy movie about those two, I'd be way more here for it than all those other extra things that are going on. Yeah. yeah. This trailer really subside so, like really put those other characters to the background to focus, and I was really happy about that. Um, we did this also revealed new information that Ke- that Keanu Reeves is Batman. We didn't yes. know who he was playing until this point. Sounds good. I like it. I like him a lot as Batman. Whoever Morgan Freeman played in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um it's just some good jokes i i hope it's honestly i hope it's good but it doesn't yeah all right the bubble yes which originally released this week as cliff b6 six yes okay i was confused because like i thought yeah. i thought this was anyway. no, i remember seeing a poster for cliff b6 i'm like hold up what the heck is cliff b6 They're so high. then they put up a new then the, so so cliff b6 and they were like look up the bubble um and then so they had a trailer they had a trailer and then they had a poster and then they put up, and then I saw that they put up the same poster, but it's got a bunch of green screen animals instead of real animals. Um, and it called, it's called The Bubble, as directed it's by Judd Apatow. It's, so it's basically a comedy about making a sci-fi style sequel film, uh, sci-fi it's, channel style sequel it's, film during the pandemic. It's Tropic Thunder and the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, uh, which is a great idea. I love Judd Apatow. I, honestly, I thought this looked, this looked pretty funny. I was curious, like, you know, are we a little? Are we, are we getting a little too far removed from this uh, type? Of, from this type of uh, a movie being made, like like you know, it's parodying pandemic movies, but like not really happening anymore. But it looks very funny. I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily parodying uh, parody movies. I think it's. I think it's making fun of movies that happen to take place because we're, we are in a pandemic right now. I don't think it's uh-huh. making fun of parody movies or yeah. pandemic movies. I really should have shut up because like I couldn't articulate my point. Um, so I do, I do feel bad. I do feel bad, but I was essentially saying what you were saying, attempting yeah, yeah. to anyway. Um, gotcha. But I, yeah, I think it looks pretty funny. I I love these type of movies when they're done well. I am worried that this is going to be like Don't Look Up, where apparently that movie's not good and very tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope this is actually as funny as it looks, and it's not just like it's got a good cast. It's got a really cast. So it's, it's, I hope it's not just like unbearably bad because like Judd Apatow normally hits. Stop. Stop being fake Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that was, man. Really I, I appreciate them taking some things to task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm interested. I, I, I always want to like a John Apatow movie. It's me, yeah. Doctor Strange. Uh, the Last Bus. Which one, I, I, which one was this? This is the Timothy Spall film. Where he's uh, traveling across to Land's End. I definitely watched the trailer, but I don't. I literally it's the one with like all the robots uh, taking over people? Oh, like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's yeah, like, hey, there's only one way to save the environment. Let's murder everyone. Yeah, so there's like a like a fog rolling through or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, robots sapping people. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm sure it's better than. I hope it's better than what I remember, which is not a lot, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I considered I considered taking this one out, but I did want to, I wanted to know what you guys thought. Um, I just I, I I've watched all these trailers in a row, and I guess I uh, I don't remember this one very well. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, sorry. Wait, what? I'm, I'm, what? I'm, 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 the last boss. Oh yes. Oh um, yeah. It's about the inventor guy. It's 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 Mitchell's versus Machines live action. 
Yes, it's like the kids are there in this bus and they're trying to escape these robots. Yeah, Stranger Things with yeah with robots. This is not what I watched. Then you watched the wrong trailer. What did you watch? I want to know. I watched the trailer for the last bus. What 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 was your trailer? No, you watched the wrong trailer. You watched the trailer for a different movie for a movie for a movie coming out this year with Tony Scott. Hey, what year? I was wondering why we were talking about it. What year is it? Oh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a sci fi TV show. It looks like Stranger Things. It's a Netflix TV show. Uh, it looks like Stranger Things with with uh, uh, robots instead. Yeah, looks- you're right. You're right. It's Mitchell versus the Machines live action, but it looks less charming. Yes, uh, I do. Rem- I, it is not coming back to me. Uh, I thought it looked totally fine. And the yeah. the guy from um, uh, Klaus from the Umbrella Academy, he's like the inventor guy who is going to cure all of it. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah I, I felt like I've like I've seen this thing a hundred times before. So yeah. Yeah. I've seen it better with Mitchell's versus the Machines. Tell me what your trailer was about, real quick. Yeah, I want to know. Remember, you guys remember Timothy Spall? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So he's uh, his he's playing an old guy, and his wife passed away, and he's just trying to. They like it's kind of like up, but like real. Oh and, no! Yeah, they like they just say they, they he always wanted they always wanted to like take the the cross country bus all the way to Land's End, and so he's doing that, and like but it's like making the news because he's just getting on these buses and telecommuting all the time. And so people are talking about him and people are just cheering him on. Like, you go, old man. That's lovely. And it's just, like, really heartwarming and sweet. And I was like, I don't know why this isn't our week. That's really nice. <laughs> well, you got a nice little trailer. Probably better than the one this one is. Oh, yeah. Look at that. See, it's Last Bus UK trailer right below the Last Bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so on when I looked it up, it was the top thing. So I just funny. liked it. That's so Very funny. funny. They, your YouTube knows you. <laughs> it does. It looks like a charming movie. <laughs> It's on my watch list now. Like I was like, all right, cool. cool. <laughs> I guess this is because I brought him up last week. Like, who knows? <laughs> all right. Uh Uma. Ooh, this one's I creepy. hope that I hope this is good. Because this is definitely one of those horror movies. I'm like, oh, this has a great trailer. It ends up being totally whatever. Sure. Uh I love Sandra. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and like Vietnamese horror stuff with moms is like very spooky. So like I'm all about it. Yeah, the mom looks very creepy. I love the poster mm-hmm. too, with like the the mom's like almost like skull like face. Oh yeah, right. um, like very isolated, living on a farm with just like a couple characters. So like it could, like they can like live with the characters and grow with them. Like I hope it's good. This looks really good. Yeah, uh, they they want to be isolated to get away from like the the evil of of the Uma, um, mm-hmm. and then it like follows them. Love it. It's, yeah, it seems like it wants to bring in a lot of like Korean culture stuff to it. So I'm hoping that that lands. I mean, there's a nine tail in this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I I have to admit that like I I like Sandra Oh uh, I just kind of felt like as a horror movie I was like I don't know what's necessarily here mm-hmm. that I haven't seen yes uh, not doing anything special here to grab me other than representation yeah and uh, hopefully that's good yeah well, also throughout the trailer I kind of like how you see Sandra Oh kind of becoming the mom she didn't like in the first place mm-hmm. and then yeah. with the like I'm gonna leave it's and she's like ooh the cycle continues. Yeah. yeah, I'm hopeful right. that it's solid. Yeah, then Bullet Train. Man, this looks great. Yeah, this, this is a movie. That, this movie that came. A lot of people are saying like like Kingsman vibes. This it's not Kingsman vibes. It's called Smoke and Aces. A movie came out like 15 years ago called Smoke and Aces, which is about a bunch of assassins going to kill Jeremy Pivens because he's like he's a dude like working for the mob, whatever. But he's like, huh? Fincher? No. David Fincher? No, not at all. Who directed the Gentleman? It's the same guy's oh. aces. Oh, oh, uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. I got Guy Ritchie vibes from this. Sure, absolutely, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, like like a uh, character-driven, like uh comedy action movie. Um yeah. 
it's almost like like a comedy version of like of a uh uh what's the train snow movie train, snow, piercer. Snow, snow piercer yeah so it's like they're like and like there's so many different types of assassins. You got like the Kuzan, and you got these guys and these other guys. And I'm like, this just looks like a big fun movie. Brad Pitt is like my favorite actor alive. I will watch that dude do anything. It's been I don't a while since I've seen him do. It's been a there's while like, since I've seen him do this kind of type of action. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see again. There are so many cast members in here. I didn't know we're in here. There's a lot of people in makeup that like are hard to recognize too. Like it looks so fun. Michael Shannon's in this movie. Oh uh-huh. yeah, he's a dude with like the long wig you see for half a second. Logan yeah. Lerman's in this movie. Yep. Lady yeah, Gaga's in this movie. Yep. Sandra Bullock's in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, As he beats and Aaron Taylor Johnson are both in this they're movie. They're both in the, those are both. I saw them both in the yeah. trailer, this but is, like, this is an insane cast. It's the director of Deadpool 2, so a lot of the people from yeah. Deadpool 2 are in this, like Zazie Beats and stuff. Uh, I think this looks awesome. And most importantly, Masioka's in this movie. Is that the... Uh, uh, Heroes. Heroes. Hero from Heroes. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know who I didn't know who directed... Yeah, David Leach. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, Dave, That's why there's so many Deadpool 2 returnees. I'm so, I'm so uh, excited. Uh, for the audience, um, not only Deadpool 2, but John Wick 1. Uh, co- co- Brian that. Tyree Henry. Oh, yeah. He's like the second. He, well, I don't know if he's like the second lead, but he gets the most like screen with, with Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, this looks like a fun movie. Like he's playing an assassin dealing with a bunch of other assassins on a train. Um, and it's like take place in like in like Japan or Tokyo. So it, is, it looks got it's got a great view, got a great look. Yes. Yeah. On a train. Love it. For, for my. When I saw the trailer, I just love it when the, when the lady with the cart comes in and the and he's like, "Oh, uh, do you have any sparkling water?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's the stuff." And throws it the bottle at the guy when she leaves. Yeah. It's like really, really stylish trailer. I hope this is a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I got scared. I got really scared because I looked behind you and I saw a man. <laughs> it was, it's the Batman. It was, Jeff, Relax, it was Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> Relax, man. <laughs> I almost, I almost, I was like, oh my god, guys! He just appears. <laughs> it's, it's out. Oh, wow. Sometimes, late at night, at 10 p.m., Jeffrey Wright appears. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, I'm excited for the Bullet Train. For Bullet Train. I'm really excited for that movie. It looks great. July. Alright, shall we do The Batman? Okay. Uh, so we're talking about the Batman. This is the latest film uh, from Warner Brothers. Matt Reeves. Uh, full spoilers. If you haven't seen it, you've been warned. Um, so, who wants to go first? It's a good movie. Absolute trash. Yeah. Ben? It was all right. No, I'm kidding. It was really good. I really, li- I really like this movie. You know what? If you said it was all right, that's fine. That's your opinion. Totally valid to your wrong opinion. Um, <laughs> I, I was writing my notes for this one, and I was like, I got, I want to do. I want, to, I want to write some notes down for this one uh, so I can remember some points. And I was just like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. These notes are useless. It's just me loving things. I love this movie. And if and I'm fully willing to admit recency bias here, um, but I strongly believe it has surpassed Batman Begins as my favorite Batman movie, which has been my favorite Batman movie and probably my favorite CBM for a long time. Um, and now the Batman has surpassed it in every way. I adored this movie. CBM, Chili Booked Mayo? Yeah, that's definitely what that means. Yeah, some people who they might not know. Uh, comic book movie, for those of you who don't know. Um, Listen, some people don't know what LOL means, and I'm like, what year is it? you got to be lying. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? 
So you yeah. can't tell if I'm lying or not. No, I can't tell because I see you type out all the time, Brandon. Yeah, that's literally that's the end of yeah, my parrot. Really different when Brandon types it. That means don't worry, I'm crying inside. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the real LOL. Uh, yes, Brandon, I agree. This movie rules. Um, I don't. I think it's. I think it is my favorite Batman movie. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's the best movie that has Batman in it. You know what I mean? I still like. Uh-huh. I think the Dark Knight is a better movie. But this yeah. is the Batman movie that if like if I were to make a Batman movie, this is the closest version I'd want it to be. Where yeah. it's it's realistic, but there are still hints of like it could get weird. It can be yeah. weird. I think mm-hmm. I think I echo that assessment. Where I think this is the best Batman movie, like a Batman adaptation. I love the world. So the good. world gets a ten out of ten. It's so hands down. it's so very much all the things I I've wanted on screen for Batman for so long the, done correct. The first ten minutes of the movie gets a ten out of ten for me. Like for real, like the opening, the opening with his line, the greatest line in any Batman movie for me. They think I live in the shadows. I am the shadows. Yeah, that is straight out of a Brew Baker freaking Batman comic book, baby. It's when so when the movie starts, and I had no idea what we we're gonna do, says the Batman, and then Robert Pattinson starts doing a voiceover. I was like, they did it. They did it. I've wanted them to do that kind of noir voiceover in a Batman movie for years. Like, 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 like Spark said, there's a lot in this movie that I've wanted in a Batman film. Not just the fact that it's a near perfect suit where it doesn't like bunch up his face like this. Um, uh, it, it, it's a great suit. It's it, it. He does the narration at the beginning and the end. The kind of noir solving narration. He's a he's a detective. He's a good detective. The opening sequence. Where you're, you're as an audience member, not sure is he in those shadows? Is he yeah. watching this this person? And it makes him uh, someone on Twitter. I, I I don't always like going to this well, but someone on Twitter likened it to like Michael Myers. Like you don't know if he's there. You don't know if he's stalking or his their prey. And like the 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 people who are doing the crimes, they don't know. So they're that's the kind of fear that he wants to instill in it. And then when he does finally show up and he walks out of those shadows, brilliant, brilliant. I absolutely love how every criminal who's doing a crime gets caught by the searchlight and they look up to see the signal and then the and camera then... instantly goes to the shadows. And I thought the same thing. Like when I saw the guys with the face paint, cause it's a trailer shot. I was like, you know, they're going to get beat up by Batman, mm-hmm. but there's also that, but what if we're seeing his night throughout? Like he takes mm-hmm. down the robber. He, then he, he handcuffs the, the, the vandals. And then he finally beats down the, the gang of thugs. And I'm like, I also have to agree. This probably is. I mean, once again, it might be recency bias because I love you guys know I love the Dark Knight, but everything I've been wanting in a Batman movie, I got in this one. It's like this is the mother effing Batman, and this I feel like it goes back to Batman's roots. It explores his psyche a little bit, or maybe not psyche. That's probably the wrong way to say it. But it ex- just explores the effect he's had on people as a whole of Gotham. You have a great new uh, Riddler who's not just who's not just a dude who who's like flamboyant and like spits riddles out. He is an actual threat. They what they did was what, what that I like about Riddler. Um, so Riddler's my favorite Batman villain uh, in the comics, and um, I've always wanted kind of like a true adaptation of of the Riddler. The the and to a degree, like there's always kind of the sense of like he's upset that he's not smarter than Batman. And that's why he's so obsessive. And we do kind of get that in those adaptations, even in this one to a degree, but like um, what I found interesting about Arkham Knight, 
for example, is how they redefined Scarecrow. They made him a terrifying villain, a, th- a threat on par with like the best Batman villains. And they did the same thing for Riddler in this movie. And I was very appreciative of it. I really like how they kind of reinterpreted the Riddler while keeping it true to its to his roots. Yeah, yeah all, all the character stuff I, I, I really love. Um, real quick, because there's not a lot of it, I do want to talk about just like the narration is great. And it's also tied to Batman's uh, 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 journey in Gotham because his, it's not just narration for the audience. It's him keeping his journal. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, we see he's kept hundreds of journals and he writes every single night, every single thing he does. And the coolest thing for me about this movie is like, he is a detective, but like, man, Batman would have to be like the smartest guy on the planet to remember everything that he sees. Holy shit, he has contact lenses that record everything he sees. That's the brilliant thing that's ever been in a Batman movie. For when he reasons, took out... so smart, I can't handle it. The thing about when he's at the crime scene, I'm like, can you like get a picture? He stares at everything. He stares and so then, much. And then we get there and he has the contact lens, so I'm like, these mother effers, they're so smart. Yeah. There, so there's two things that you brought up that, uh, that you brought up there that I, want, I do want to highlight. One is the contact lenses. Like well, The thing about like this movie that we've been seeing in the trailer is like, oh, this is like dark, this is realism, this is Batman. Those contact lenses aren't realism. Um, they are yeah. they are straight out of a con- of, uh, of a comic book. And when he takes them out, there's little cameras. Brilliant. I, I almost cheered in the audience. I was not in the right audience to do so. But like yeah. I almost cheered. Like, yes, this is what I want. The other thing about the opening scene where he's where he's in the murder of the mayor. And he's looking around. He sees things that the forensic people don't. And so like when he sees the blood, the, the, the little bit of blood from the from the rug scraper, um, he like looks at it and then the 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 girl is taking the pictures lo- looks at him uh, oh shoot I should I should, I should take, a picture, I should take a picture of that and again like you immediately know that it's a detective thing because they're looking at the body and Batman's like they took the finger off when he was alive it the finger has this type of thing it's like a medical thing yeah. that's how, and he's like and they're like oh shit yeah he's smart hell yeah, yeah. I love the it thumb drive the thumb drive this movie is also darkly funny and I love it yeah, um, this movie our audience was not laughing enough for how funny this movie actually is. Yeah. I thought the movie was really funny. Not, there was some like, parts. Oh, I can't, I can't remember. jokes in mind. It's just like the, the scenario that's happening. It's like, this is a real thumb drive. Isn't yes. this ridiculous? It's thumb like, drive. wow, it's so funny. It's just like when the when the thumb drive, like the the device, the USB drive, when it just when it came out. And even Gordon's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> also a huge... Because we talk, because obviously the Riddler was the, the guy who plays. Hold on, the, wait. Are you oh, about to are you about to change topics? Because I have more to say about the topic we were on. Yeah, I think I was about to change. Okay, topic, real topic. quickly, real quickly, before you do so, I want to talk about the humor of this movie a bit more. The okay. thing that I really like about this movie is that it is darkly funny. It is funny. It's not necessarily jokes, um, but uh, it's never laughing at itself. No. And that's really important. Like there is a sense whenever there's whenever there's humor in the Dark Knight films, all three of them, that it's, it, it is kind of like we're in on the joke. But Nolan is not a one to make a joke a minute, so he's not necessarily doing that. But whatever there is, it's just kind of that's just kind of where it sits. Um, but this film, it the the laughter comes from the the comic book absurdity of the situation, not just thumb drive and things like that, but never in a way that makes you feel like. Oh yeah, we're in on the joke. There is no joke. That's just it's, a situational humor that this is. I think the funniest the movie gets is 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 the penguin scene, where where penguin. No habla espanol, fellas. Yeah, like penguin, like Batman and Gordon think they have the penguin on the rocks, and they're like, "Tell us what you know," blah blah blah. And the penguin's like, 
wow, you guys are real stupid. You don't even know Spanish? Hava Inglés, my guys. Like, it's so absurd. And you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this scene happen right now. This is so stupid. I love it. I was yeah. talking to I was talking to Zara on the way home from seeing the movie, and I was like, "Man, Colin Farrell is really Farrell, right? Um, really great as the penguin." I was like, "Who's Colin Farrell? Look at a picture of Colin Farrell." She looks at the picture and she's like, "This guy's the penguin." Great that, makeup. That who I was gonna. Um, that was my next. That was my next talking sure. point. Because, God, he's so good in this movie. I right. mean, don't get me right. wrong. Every actor in this movie brings their A game. I love every single actor every single performance but just knowing what Colin Farrell looks like IRL and to see him as the penguin and just the way he does his voice and it's just so it's just so good and I love how they call him it's a a transformative it's a transformative performance that Colin Farrell is doing and it works spectacularly well he's very good he's like the levity of the film I would I mean yeah we I know we see him in suits throughout the movie but I just cannot wait. I really hope they make another one with Colin Farrell as like the main baddie. In He's getting a show, my dude. Ben, he Never has mind. an HBO I, show coming. <laughs> Never mind. I'm getting that because I want to. I want to see more of him in the penguin suit, wearing like the tuxedo, and I don't know. Maybe getting the monocle, or maybe they go the the um uh, Batman Arkham City route, and he gets a beer bottle shoved in his eye. I don't no, know. I want to see. I, all all I care about. We're gonna see the umbrella. That's I all I care about. Yeah, Are we gonna get the umbrella. Um, the uh, Oswald. Since we're on, since we're on Oswald, um, there is a. Uh, I, wanna, I do want to highlight the chase sequence, the through the car with the car chase sequence. Um, that was hype. The moment he's in that car, revving it, and you see the the, the lights kind of turn on. Brilliant. And how they. Brilliant. How they how they how they frame the the chase as well, um, constantly looking looking over Oswald's car uh, and then looking directly at Oswald's car when we're at Batman's perspective. One of the things that they do in this movie that I really like is how it when it there's a couple of moments where the camera not actually but it's like meant to be situated on the engine of the car and the camera moves because the engine is moving, uh-huh. so like the engine's vibrating and so it's moving the camera and that great stuff, great little attention to details, uh, love the, love everything. Um, no notes. I, I did see people say that this chase scene was way too long. And I just, I, like, I have some problems with the movie, but, like, that is the opposite of a problem that I had. I was like, how can anyone dislike this? Like, I guess, I, like, I guess I just, I'm just thinking of the Boba Fett chase scene. I'm like, this is immaculate. And I'm like, <laughs> he's doing, like, the penguin this doesn't ends... get collateral damage, and he's just, like, almost running people over, destroying shit. This ends with a with a with a car exploding and then becoming a ramp that Batman jumps over. Brilliant, also, brilliant. That scene entirely practical. That the going through the fire all practical. Good, brilliant. Love it. No notes. Ten out of ten. So there, I couldn't easily count so many shots of this movie where I'm sitting there going, "This is effing art." Like obviously the trailer shot where he's walking from the car in the fire that the score is blaring and crescendoing and penguins terrified I'm i like, had to stop that, myself from cheering in this movie like, many that, times he looks like, inside of the car i'm just like ooh that's art uh there's another uh, a really good scene oh the scene where he gets um the da and it's out of focus and he's and he's taping the bomb to the da uh, it's mm-hmm. like you know something horrible is happening i was like this is even though you can't fully see, it's like this is this is some art. This is some creepy art right here. Just this, and I'm sitting here going, 
man, I haven't had this good a feeling about comic or this hopeful feeling about comic books and, and superhero films since the freaking Dark Knight. You you want to you want I don't I don't want to I don't want to get into that discussion, but you did bring up something interesting. Um, this film uh, is a lot more hopeful than I expected it being from the trailers. The yes. ending of this film ends on a very high note, a note that you're meant to feel like, oh, Gotham is a place that can be saved. This mission is not for naught. He is inspiring people, and I think that's really good. I want you to talk because you haven't said much yet. But the thing, because you you bring up the hopeful ending and stuff like. The whole the whole marketing and like trailer and stuff, it's like this is a Batman who's brutal and he's about vengeance. That's not what it's actually about. It's about that's yeah. who he thinks he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And at the end, God, dude, that shot at the end when it's like bright out and he's holding that kid. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, he doesn't need to be hope, he doesn't need to be vengeance, he needs to be hope. And I'm like, wow, this is like the most optimistic Batman has ever been. Like yeah. in live action form. Like even more than the Dark Knight, like when he's like, I gotta save the people, be the bad guy. I'm like this is the middle of the in the day. This is crazy. Like it's it's really something that we don't get to see in Batman because like he's a man of the shadows. He doesn't always have to be that, and that's really that's really important for Batman because again, this is a guy who walks around with a thirteen year old sidekick. Like it's not just <laughs> about the dark shadows. Uh, yeah. And it's really cool this movie explores that when you thought it was just going to be oh anger. I want to I want to instill fear in the in the criminals, but hope in the citizens of Gotham. Mm-hmm. So actually, you haven't said anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys have been saying. Um, yeah, I, I really like the ending. I'm not sure quite where to bridge from here. Um, no, yeah, I, I, we're talking. No, about I know. I, I really like the the ending. I like the that it's a whole journey for him of uh, realizing that essentially like the the same thing from the anime movie we talked about this where he's trying to save the kid and the kid's screaming and crying because his costume is too scary, so he changes his costume and Superman comments on it later it's that same like vibe of i'm i'm not trying to scare children yeah um and and like coming to terms with what he means and what he represents in the city and and the way that they have that that um piece of shit incel say uh i am vengeance knowing that it'll dig at batman uh and the way that like kind of cements his whole arc of it Mm-hmm. Um, the car chase scene is the the best action scene, kind of the main action scene of the film, honestly, at such a interesting point in the structure of the yeah. film is, is where it is. I will say I, uh, this, this isn't a negative, uh, I, none of the action, I think we saw a lot of the action in the trailers, which was unfortunate. Um, none of the action outside of the car chase really blew me away because we saw a lot of it in the trailers. If I didn't see a lot of the like machine gun in the darkness shots in the trailer, I would have been more surprised by it. But I feel like a lot of the money shots we saw in the trailers, which again, doesn't ruin the movie, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, I wish they would have hit a lot of that. Cause I, I think, I think it's a lot of, it's really good. I don't know if I would give any action scene outside of the car chase, like a 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get what I mean, negative, but you know what I mean? I get what you mean. Um, I do. I do get the the idea that like the trailers did put in a lot, way more of the action that I feel like they should have. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but I don't agree. I would. I would because every action scene for me hit very nicely. Um, especially the final one, uh, mm-hmm. in the mos- in the in the what's it called arena. Um, yeah. Yeah, and in, in that in that place when like man, there's a bit where he like jumps out of the smoke and like tackles it dude i'm like batman yeah like lo- yeah, like did... really loved it all no i thought i thought they did a good job with the action piece it's it's hard because like you're you're marketing a film where like honestly action isn't the point 
Yeah. Um, and like the point is that it's it's very a mystery, um, and that's that's present. It's I so think. character driven. Yeah. Yeah, it's very very character driven. Um, to the film's benefit, it's the way I want it to be. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I, I like less is more in terms of the action. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, that that made all those moments at least hit. I felt like we had good breath between them. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I really enjoyed that. Even if we weren't seeing like the most amazing action, I felt like we were seeing good action. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, I didn't dislike yeah, it. Yeah. No, 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 but I'm thinking of like, um, what did what, what we talk about recently where we were just kind of like, it, it was very recent. We talked about a movie where we were just like, all the action was fine. Yeah. Um, oh, The Matrix. It's The Matrix yeah. Resurrections where we talked about oh, like sure. the action scene uh, in the middle with everybody, and it's like, yeah, it's it's all just yeah, none of it was serviceable that. Yeah. that. And I'm like, all the action here felt solid. It might not have been like crescendoing or like doing anything yeah. broad and big it, uh, as much as like the car chase scene was, but it still felt really, really solid. Batman yeah, solid yeah, that's a really his... good, that's a really co good callback because like I totally yeah. agree because this film is much more character driven, much like the Matrix is mm -hmm. more. Matrix is more interested in the character work. This film is also and the. So having the characters drive the mystery of it, because that is first and foremost what this movie is about, is the mystery was very well done and very well paced. I'm glad you said that because speaking of mystery, Mag is in the chat. Hey, bud. Uh, he said, love the mystery of solving, of why Riddler is doing what he's doing. And also mm -hmm. he commented about he, anytime I hear his footsteps, it's like a cowboy is walking with spurs in a Western film. Absolutely. I, yeah. I love the weight of his footsteps. Oh my God. It sounds really good. They're like yeah. 40 pound boots, it sounds like. It's incredible. Yeah. It does. Um, if um, I were to now, if I were to give a negative to this film, now I'm gonna also give this with a big asterisk uh, along with it because it could also have been how what my physical state was because I was also very tired and this is a very long movie. Was yeah. that there are parts of the film where I did feel feel like it dragged and I what I mean I was lucky to stay awake through the whole film, mm -hmm. but there are parts where I'm just like, can this please end so I can go to sleep? That's the yeah. um, now that I, I do. I was exhausted. If I went in this film fully rested, I might think differently. I want to. I want to. Before you continue, I do want to chime in because, like, I, I do. I do one hundred percent think that's it. That's a you think, and not as like a comp, like a comp, like a anything negative. Because, like, you told us before, you've had a long week. You didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, my partner constantly falls asleep through shorter movies, and she was not uh, falling asleep in this movie even once. Um, oh. I think this film, personally, for me does not have any fat i think it's very well paced and very well well made i i megan had was not hot on seeing the batman wanted to see it but wasn't hot on it um and also doesn't really like movies that go on too long yeah. uh didn't feel that way about this one really enjoyed it uh more than she thought she was she was genuinely surprised at how much she liked this film um i have to agree i've thought about it backwards and forwards a lot of like is there anything i think I would cut from this movie. And honestly, not really, no. Yeah. Um, uh, the closest you get for me personally is uh, the Joker scene. Um, sure. That, that's for me personally. Um, but I also really appreciate what Matt Reeves was saying about why he decided to put it in mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's there's a lot of extensive conversation about it and uh, I highly recommend reading it. But um, he originally put it without with without that scene there and he felt like the ending was wrong um and i i ultimately it boils down to him wanting the joker's presence is meant to continue to present that batman's job isn't finished mm -hmm. 
And that's why when you get to the final scene between him and Selena and he has to go back to Gotham, he can't go with her because you've just seen his job will never be finished. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's a fair point. Uh, the, the thing was, I think just the way the scene is structured, it felt a little okay. post credits scene in the movie Definitely for me. Did, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't crazy about it. Um, perhaps it would have been better if they had left the other scene he filmed uh, originally in. Where he talks to, where Batman talks to Joker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I before hearing that explanation, I was actually not super hot on the Joker scene. If I, um, the, I mean, it was cool. Like you don't actually see him, and you, I mean, he only delivers the. It's like, oh yeah, they treat you like a clown. It's like, okay, yeah, that's the Joker. Yep. I don't know. It's just because. But I'm, you can see him. You can see enough yeah. of him to know that his face is deformed. Love it. Exactly. I do like that part, but at the same time, I feel like there's just too much Joker fatigue or Joker buildup. Hmm. If that, that, if that, that makes sense. That is I, fair, yeah. I, I want to have a conversation about what, what I think my impression of what Matt Reeves had to say about Joker that kind of, because I'm kind of like you, Ben, when I was watching, I'm like, I really didn't need that in this yeah. movie. I liked so much else and like that, maybe because of the way it was structured, it felt too much like a tease up and I was just like, really didn't vibe that in the movie. It didn't check with me. Uh, but... I've, I've started to reassess some of those feelings and I want to get into that later when we're talking about like where this can go, but I want to stay focused on, on the film right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked it. I really liked uh, that. I, I think that you lose a character if you trim down from what we are and mm-hmm. because it is a character driven piece, I wouldn't um, because I think the character you lose is honestly either you lose some stuff with Selena or you lose some stuff with Falcone. You lose one of them. And I, and I won't. So let me tell you, and like maybe if we talk it talk it through, I'll feel more positive on it. But right now, I am not hot on Alfred fake dying. Hmm. It's the one part of the movie where I'm like, Alfred's barely in the movie enough for me to really get the get his character. Like I get his character enough, right? Uh, I've read a lot of Batman comics. I I can put it together. The movie doesn't give me enough for him to almost die and then not die and then not really be in the movie that much more. You know what I mean? Um, and hmm. like him dying and like i really do like the scene in the hospital but like i don't think he needed to fake die i don't think we needed to fake out to get that same scene you know what i mean that could have been a conversation they still have regardless the fake out uh i think it would have been better for the movie that they're trying to make if alfred just would have died because again he was wasn't in the movie very much for me to care about his his fake death you know what i mean mm-hmm. i understand but also i want to say that i want to say okay because one of the things i do want to pray this praises movie is that it knows the audience it's like we don't see the Waynes die. We don't see Thomas and Martha die. Yeah. Good Thank God. Thank God. Good yeah, fake we're... out with the opening. Yeah. Yeah. No no opening of, of seeing the origin of Batman. We freaking know already, damn it. I think this is, I think the uh, reason. Real, real quickly, see... sorry to interrupt Ben real quickly. Uh, I said after watching Joker that if I have to watch the Waynes die again, I'm going to shoot him myself. So thank goodness that we did not have to sit yeah. through that again. Thank goodness. Um, I feel like this movie is like, look, you know who Batman is, you know who Alfred is, you know their dynamic. Um, this is a year two Batman. Alfred is still kind of uh, on Bruce doing the Batman bit, but you know the relationship is there, and then you know general what- audience members don't though. I read Batman, general audience members don't. I I would say okay, maybe- I think there's enough general audience assumption that they would know Batman's relationship with my Alfred. mom. Well, I don't know your mom. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, I don't think there's enough 
character stuff to warrant him dying. Mm -hmm. Like bring you having to bring in previous knowledge for a character should never be a thing in comic book movies. You know what I mean? We always talk about mm -hmm. that. And this is just my personal opinion. Like, obviously, you guys don't. So agree. no, no, no. I, 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 are you saying like you'd rather he died, or that yes, they just or didn't they even go down that? Don't road even fake his death. Yeah, because it happened so early in the movie where I don't have the establishment okay. for Alfred. So I, I talked to Craig about this, and like, I definitely did not want him to die, um, because this is a different Alfred than we've ever had. Yeah, because he's a bodyguard, not a butler, and yeah. that has changed their relationship and dynamic. Yeah. This is not a Alfred who feels in any way subservient to Bruce. He's an Alfred who feels like he's going to call Bruce on his shit. And he trained him, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and be more proactive with him um, rather than kind of apologetic and then and then commentary after the apology. I love their relationship. Uh, I don't like that they fake kill him. Is, so this yeah. is, uh, I'm working my way up. Sorry, sorry. So this is me saying like, I absolutely did not want him to die because I don't think that this movie could have serviced his character enough in any form uh, for what they were doing yeah. to justify a death of the character in this film because I want more of this new relationship we've never had before. Yes. When it comes to the fake dying, I almost agree with you. Mm -hmm. But what changed it for me was when Robert Pattinson delivers the piece about, I didn't think I could feel that fear. Okay. Uh, I didn't think I could feel the fear that I felt that night. I have done all of this to get over that, that it would never be a part of me. I could not be touched by it until tonight okay when i thought it was going to be you it, it, it think, does yeah it does kind I of think, change the character's direction and i think and i think because i don't think it services Alvis, alfred's character very well i no. acknowledge that and i don't and it still makes me questionable of that plot decision however i do think it is critical for bruce because this is a bruce who is pushing alfred away actively yes up to that point in the film and something had to shift for him to bring him in and it wasn't going to be the same monumental shift that he also makes as a character later of i need to change how i treat the city mm -hmm. that happens in steps with his character throughout the film and one of those steps is i am afraid if i lose alfred i need to change how i behave with alfred okay yeah. i am afraid if i lose the city i need to change how i behave with the city yeah mm -hmm. uh I think that it is a bridge to his journey by the end of it. Okay. And therefore it made me more accepting though a little questionable of exactly how they went about it, but more accepting of the decision to put him in that kind of jeopardy. Okay. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. I, I still feel I, I think if they hadn't done that moment, that specific moment where he goes for like two minutes about, yeah. I conquered it in all these ways. Yeah. And I thought it could not touch me. And now it did. Uh, I, I think without that specific in, uh, inflection from him and them holding hands by the end of it, yes, and that being like a, such a difference from where we start with such a cold shoulder Bruce to him at the beginning, I don't think it would land. That's mm -hmm. That makes sense. I, I don't think yeah. it fully justifies the choice. I feel if the same moment would have happened an hour later, I probably would feel stronger about it. Because sure. again, I think it happens too early in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but that does alleviate some of, of the stress. But uh, It services, it, it, the problem is, I think the problem with the scene is that no matter what way you slice it, it really only services one character more yes. than the other. That's, and yeah. I wish it was servicing both and I agree with you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I it does create some. It does create some really interesting tension when he realizes that he's the next victim, and you, as the audience, are like, "Well, he can't be, but somebody can be." Get yeah. to the damn tower, Bruce. One yes, thing. and then, but again, then it gets to, "Oh, yeah. Alfred died," but then I, he didn't. Uh, hold, hold up. Let, let me. Let me. Let me go. Uh, I've, I've been chomping a bit for this. So one of the things I, why I like that scene quite a bit is because Bruce wasn't there. When I love how it's shot, making it seem like he's gonna get there and open the door, and he sees Alfred with the bomb. Mm -hmm. But when he's on the phone and you, he talks to Dolly, and Dolly's like, "Sir, 
it already happened. I don't know why, but for a split second, I thought maybe Dahlia was in on the take, and she was like, mm-hmm. "No, I planted this bomb. I'm killing him." But then, <laughs> it's like, but then you, when you see the smoke from the tower, it's like, "Oh, Alfred." I mean, you. I mean, I see him throw the bomb away, and he doesn't die, but you see the damage, and Bruce is too late. In the very beginning of the movie, he does say, "I can't be everywhere." He can't beat every crime, which is one of the best things about that opening scene. It's like, which crime is he going to? Or or can he make all of them? He does do a lot of stuff in one night. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he knows that he's just still just a man, a very powerful, strong man, he can't do everything. And it's sure. a very to me, it's a very human moment that he's I, like messed up. I will contend that I, my biggest problem with it, I think, honestly, is that I think it's too stupid of Alfred to open the package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have preferred that Alfred was doing something else in the same room and you saw the package sitting there and, it and put off. two and two together yeah. and it went off, but he wasn't near it. So that's how like he did okay with dealing with it. But it's that an Alfred who's not a butler, who's a bodyguard who was trained and like has some awareness and knows that they've been going after Riddler and knows what kind of dangerous criminal is gets a package that says for Bruce Wayne's eyes only doesn't even somewhat get trepidatious about that is maybe a little questionable on that character's part. And that's the part that really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, why would he open this? Um, Uh, Can I say one of my favorite things about Alfred in this movie? Sure. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with any of your negatives. I don't think I have any negatives, so I, I I'll I'll stay quiet whenever you guys talk about negatives. But um, uh, Alfred has a moment where he helps with the with the um the cipher. cipher. So uh, and it's and I I I, I love the fact that he's like yeah no this is kind of like a puzzle and he's like helping Bruce with the with the he's like actively helping bruce with the investigation using his own smarts teaching bruce in a way that bruce learned some new things with the riddles i I do really (laughs) like that relationship that they have like he is not okay with what he's doing but he's like oh no this is what this means and this is what this did and i Uh, i like that my my favorite thing about that is that while alfred will be unhappy that bruce is doing what he's doing he also is can't help but want to a solve the puzzle, but B also try and solve the mystery mm-hmm. uh, and and stop a killer. Like he can't resist; it's too appealing, and I think that's a good dynamic for them. Yeah, um, yeah it is. I do like uh, like like the Earth Earth One, Earth Two, or whatever it is. Like we're like two. Earth Two, where it's like, oh, I'm X S A S of British Special Forces, and like I trained Batman. I'm like, that's all right. I like this offer. Yeah, I really really like. Uh, that this movie opens with Bruce amongst the people uh, in his little jacket and in, in his Times Square with his ball cap, like very like hiding out amongst them. I think that works really, really well. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that, that that's the the vibe of him uh, getting his feel that that carries over this from like, is, the year one comic. Yeah, this is not Playboy Bruce, Bruce Wayne yet. He is still in his emo phase. I'm still thinking about my sad parents. Yeah, This is year two Batman. Now, one I other say thing, that a lot. Yeah, one thing... Another thing about this movie I actually really love. And as a kid, I remember as a kid, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I'm watching superhero films, is when you see Robert Pattinson on screen, he's in the bat suit a good 80% of the movie. Mm, He is Batman more than he is Bruce Wayne. Not a lot of Bruce. Whereas a lot of other movies, the character, the actor playing Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne more of the time than they are Batman. 
mm-hmm. which when I was a kid, it's like I came here to see the suit. I came here to see the superhero stuff. I and mean, of course, um, as a kid as a doll, I would change my mind. But as I'm watching this, it's like, no, this is this is really good. I see, I'm seeing Batman a lot. Of Batman. This is what I want. Bruce and Batman are the same person in this movie. There's the th- there's a thing that they do that, that Sparks talked about with the the hoodie and things like that, where he he uses that to kind of uh, to to move within the shadows of people, right? He's he's moving amongst the people to um uh, to like then he like will uh, expel that outfit that he wears, the hoodie and the the cap, like, and then he'll become Batman in that area, um, almost kind of like Spider Man in a bit, but like he but it's it's kind of more and more of a, like a dark brooding sneaky way. Um, and I, I thought that was really cool, especially when uh, it pays off with the third time that he goes to the Iceberg Lounge. Um, and it, it, the first two times he's like, do you know who I am? Both as Batman <laughs> and the Bruce Wayne. And then he sneaks in and <laughs> closes the door. Very funny moment. But like having him like, I'm not going to in as Batman. I'm not going in as Bruce Wayne. I'm sneaking in and then I'm going to become Batman in there. Great. I, I really like that. As Bruce Wayne yeah. to become Batman. Oh, first yeah. of all, uh, Never in my effing life did I think I would see Tweedledee and Tweedledum in a live-action Batman. <laughs> Unbelievable. Those twins are so funny, so dweeby and stupid. I can't believe it. Super funny. They just get progressively more beat up as the movie goes along. Love it. Iceberg Lounge, great. Club for, below 44 or whatever, even greater. Penguin, yeah. four below. 44 below Penguin, no complaints. Yeah, whatever. Um, so easy, sweetheart. Dude, I, I truly like. I've never been, especially after Peacemaker. I've never been more excited to watch a penguin-led TV show in my life. Oh my yeah. god, give it to me today. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, love of my life. Catwoman, love of my life in comics. She's so good in this movie. I, I, the thing at the end where she's like, oh, I'm going somewhere else. I'm like, I swear to God, if you're not in the next movie, I'm gonna blow my brains out. What are you talking about? Get back to Gotham, honey. Uh. Her and Robert Pattinson have such good chemistry. It's it's baloney. It's so crazy. Her and Falcone have such good chemistry. Uh, Tur- uh, John Turturro maybe like the like the the standout of the movie surprisingly because he's just like wow I'm really cool and evil baby. I'm like yeah. oh my god I love you. All the characters in this movie. I'm like, so glad right he got out to, the comics. I'm so glad he got to shine and that he was kind of like held back, uh, and and then started slowly coming to yeah. the forefront. And I love that he never really has a a true confrontational moment with Batman. No. It's it when he does it's with it's with Selena and mm-hmm. it's with Bruce, mm-hmm. but never really with Batman. And I thought that was great. It's because and it's cool because like you don't realize how involved with the plot he is until the end. We're like it's all about him. It's yeah. always been like him. And it's like he's the ultimate mask. This man. This is how you do a really good like villain reveal because it's like they don't make a big deal out of it. He is the man in the shadows because you're not supposed to know he's there. And like yeah. he's just gradually showing up and like what's up, sweetheart? Like, the, the the reveal that like. The, who cares who the mayor is? Falcone's the mayor of Gotham mm-hmm. City. Everything goes through Falcone. And like how all the pieces come together of like the, the um, rebuilding fund or whatever, it's the renewal fund, mm-hmm. how that was co-opted after the Wayne's death. Like there is a sense that like Riddler's got the wrong information. He thinks that the Waynes were in on it, but they weren't actually. There was a mistake. And like revealing all that and how like the renewal fund was 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 bastardized after Wayne died um, and how it was it was Falcone that did it. Um, all of that good good solid stuff and good solid like we put the pieces in the movie and then it all comes together at the end i really like the section where bruce is learning things about his parents Mm -hmm. because um i like that this is one where we didn't we didn't go the full-blown like they were bad people that's not what we're doing but what we are saying is that they were foul 
and they're human yeah. they they've always been perfect to bruce and to the audience up to this point in every previous iteration yeah but here we can be like you know especially after your parents pass away um you start to look at them and see more of the human side of them mm -hmm. and who they were outside of being the relationship that existed for you yeah. and the fact that that is a part of bruce's journey in this is really great that it's something where he has to reckon with like you know my father was a good man but not a perfect man yeah he made a mistake which is unfortunately a really big mistake that cost someone their life uh yeah, yeah. uh it's so cool like they're like they did they didn't have to go this far but they did like oh you have the waynes and the arkhams like the founding families of gotham like sweet you're doing the gates of gotham that original cool stuff then they made his mom an arkham and i'm like oh you're really just like going that's hardcore. From, cool. that's from earth one too that's great shit i'm like wow this is really cool again like this is like a quote-unquote realistic movie but unlike the dark knight like this feels like a comic book yes yeah. like this is all comic book shit that's happening it's it's like it's allowed to be cheesy like in a serious way i, I love I, I love the nolan films real quickly sorry i love the nolan films all yeah. two of them uh, but like there is a sense that that even batman begins are ashamed to be based on comic books not yeah. like whether or not they are but that is the sense that you get because they're trying to like they feel like they're trying to elevate the material this film is not this film is not ashamed of its roots at all it embraces its roots and that's very refreshing all the comic book roots it took it's like when we, we were talking about the, the how martha's in arkham and it's like hey that's earth one they're doing stuff with the comics or when selena gives Falcone the scratches like in the long halloween yeah i'm like man there's this, this movie is taking so many great comic book influences and it's not afraid to show it's like we took these scenes or these um like this mythos from these selects or from these books because they're really really good and i was so, like this is how real yeah. quick i i don't think that this I, I i hate the analogy of like the realism thing that that keeps get, getting tossed around with this because like i don't think this batman is grounded in reality i do think the nolans no. were yeah i don't think that this batman is grounded in reality i think the characters are grounded in an emotional reality mm -hmm. and that's important and that's shining through but this is still a lot of comic book ass comic book shit happening in this movie and yeah, i'm really this is a world because that's still what i want going forward i don't want us like it's the tom pulling, batman pulling baby. back the way we did with nolan towards that like it's got to be it's got to be like kind of real yeah. shit there was a sense that after batman begins really like the the world was kind of open that you could go into a more fantastical route but they didn't they decided to double down on the realism and they they they, they went in that direction this film it could go either way and honestly i'm happy to go whatever way is possible mm -hmm. whichever way you want but it does feel like in this world mr freeze can show up Penguin can have an umbre can have an umbrella gun. Like the, the more fantastical elements of Batman can exist in this world because it's not afraid that it's based on a comic book. It is like Spark said, grounded in emotional realism, but it is still a comic book world that we are inhabiting. Mm -hmm. The scene after, sorry, hold, really, really quick. So Grayson's in the chat. Wanted to pop in and just say I didn't get to go see it and don't want spoilers. I'll check in later. Get, get, out. There go, dude, get the, the hell out. out. Already left. He probably I didn't even hear us bring him up. Yeah, you, you got to bail right now. But um, yeah, at the, the scene at the end of the movie, I feel like I could, I would be totally fine with seeing Superman fly down and be like, you okay? I could feel that that could happen in this world. It I mean, maybe not yet. I didn't yeah. want it yet. <laughs> now, not to say I didn't want it, but I can, I'm, the reason why I say that is because I could feel that that would be a totally normal thing that Superman were to fly down and look at Bruce and be like, yo, you need help? I can help you yeah, out yeah. with this part thing. I could sure. feel like that's real, but if they decide, 
but obviously if they do go down this route and they decide to just keep it a, a Batman thing and not include any other DC heroes, okay, that's fine. That's your choice. I don't think we'll see, real quickly, Ben, to your point, I don't think we'll ever see other DC heroes in this universe. If Matt Reeves continues on, it is just going to be Bat characters. But to my to, to my Sparks and, uh, and Ryan's point, it, it, it is really nice to be sitting in a place where any Bat villain can appear, even the more fantastical ones. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Patrick Williams did a tweet that, that, that prepped me for what happens in a movie, but there's a point in the movie mm-hmm. where they bring up hush stuff and they bring up Thomas Elliot mm-hmm. and they go to a mansion. I'm like, D- is this movie secretly a hush movie? And we didn't know it. And then it's Edward, not. Thank God it wasn't. And like knew- said, this isn't a spoiler, but like they do hush stuff that they don't really do it. So I was prepped, but like watching that movie, I was like, oh my God, like I, this is like if it felt hushy for a second. I'm like, okay, they're not doing that. But like saying well, name Thomas Elliot, it's like, man, that's comic book shit. It's just when it's done right and done like 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 they just implement it, it feels cool and natural. Well, they mentioned Edward Elliot. That's Thomas's dad, right? It's Thomas's dad, yeah, yeah. 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 So like the second yeah, I saw yeah. Elliot, I was like, hold up, hush. Are we getting hush? Yeah, just here? and then they even put up on like on like a, on like the broadcasting big hush, and I'm like, that's silly. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like all of the performance in this. We've already talked about a few of them. Uh, Selena Kyle, also great. Um, really so love good. Zoe Kravitz. I love the, great vulnerability. I love the effect of uh, losing her friend, mm-hmm. um, her partner, on yeah. her uh, when when we find her in the back. Uh, that's such a good, powerful moment. I think the phone voicemail is chilling. Oh my god! You hear it. Um, can't believe they played that whole thing that's terrifying and the way it builds up to to her taking on falcone there's there's a lot of great stuff jeffrey wright is uh ryan and i talked about it after like he's not necessarily doing anything amazing but i think his dynamic with robert pattinson's bruce is really really good yeah really good um i i really love his friendly nature i do want to see more of him as this i as this mean, the scene that's that's in your background when they're talking you gotta get out of here man they're gonna oh my god you. yeah it's really the good. way he's like you gotta get out of here man <laughs> like, you're gonna go through that you door. Gotta, you're gonna use this key. You gotta man. punch me, man. You're gonna, you gotta punch me. You gotta do it. Like I really, really like his dynamic. You could have pulled that punch. I did. I'm too strong for you. I really, I really like that pull. When, when he sh- sort of sparks real quickly. Um, when he, when, when, when they're. Their dynamic is so good. Like when Gort, when Batman drives up into the car, they're about to go up to the, they're about to go up. Like Batman drives into the, 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 the driveway of the building that has the skylight. But like when he goes, like you didn't do that. I thought you did that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, really good. I want to bring up two points based off that. One, um, this is the coolest, best integration of Batman with cops we've had in live action hands down uh really really like it i really like all the different engagements that he has with them uh both with them uh kind of liking him being afraid of him and martinez's whole arc uh Mm -hmm. upset with him like all of that i think is really really good um i i really really enjoy it i think that this was so much not what we got like this was a this was a batman who is um uncomfortable with his place around police you yeah. know he's untrusting of them he's like he's uncomfortable because he feels like he's in a weird space with them which is a just a big stark contrast from like i think the only other real presence we get of batman with cops which is in the in the nolan trilogy and where he and where they all kind of just like listen to him yeah um a- after after batman begins they just listen to him and the dark knight rises doesn't count because all of the cops are put underground because the city's been taken over so like they have to work together as like a resistance not as like real cops of the city right uh absolutely this felt like like 
it felt so much like it wasn't just about the character of Batman. It really is about Gotham and everyone in it and how everyone from thank, the citizens to the police deal with Batman beginning and much, end of it. Much like we talked about when we talked about the Spider-Man Raimi films, New mm. Gotham is a character in a way that I don't think it's ever been in a Batman film before. Yeah. It's had personality, but I don't think it's been a character. Gotham is a character in this and not just a damsel in distress character. God, the, the Times Square shot where it's like all the LCD screens and I'm like, yeah, baby, that's what a Gotham City would look like. That's Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think right. I think that's done very, very well. I really yeah. like it, even though we get like weird Marlon Brando cop, um, <laughs> which was... Megan just could not take. Also, seriously. nostalgia critic thug, the skull who looks like just yeah. like Doug Walker. Uh-huh. Gets, like um, yeah, the, but... the the Gotham as a as a character thing is so it, like the way they've they've structured Gotham. It doesn't feel like it's a real place in America. Like it feels like the, this Gothic architecture lives in this living, breathing city. Um, yeah. That feels completely original to something that we've ever seen before. Really, really love it. Um, really love uh, on a different note. Like I, Gotham as a character is done very, very well. Really appreciate it. Um, Pattinson does a great job with the differentiation. Very subtle between Bruce Wayne and Batman in voice. Uh, I love his mm -hmm. Batman voice. I love his Batman voice because it's not ridiculous this is the, pretty yeah. much the closest to the animated series we've ever gotten yeah it's just like just a little deeper yeah uh i i do like i do like this version of bruce wayne and i know uh, uh it's not like contentious online but like i know a lot of people are like there's not a lot of bruce wayne and the version we get he's our he's just a sad emo and i'm like yeah this is a this is a different take this is not this is still young bruce wayne figuring out batman and figuring out himself he doesn't need to put on the playboy persona because he's not the dude I mean, he is the dude, like, doing Bruce uh, 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 Wayne industry stuff, right? But, like, I guess it just doesn't bother me. Like, it's okay to be, like, no, I can grow that playboy. I don't even care if he does or doesn't. Like, yeah. I, 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 what I got from the trailers was this, we were going to see an emo Bruce Wayne. I saw an emo Bruce Wayne. I liked an yeah. emo Bruce Wayne. I wanted an emo Bruce Wayne. I got it. I'm good. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think more than no more, notes. I think more than anything, like, I didn't, I didn't even necessarily, like, go to the emo description like it felt like a bruce who was who was stagnated by the like truly not just like oh we talk about it and oh it's the thing that made me batman and now i'm batman and that thus everything i do is righteous because i'm doing it because of that initial crime that was done this is a bruce in the live action film that was traumatized and stagnated by the death of his parents and continues to be that person up to this moment and it is because of this the events of this film that he begins to change mm -hmm. into something else but up to this point he is is just every punch is directly him trying to get back at the person who killed his parents specifically yeah um yeah. and it's it's very much feels like it's actually driven by that in the character and he's trying he is slowly in this film getting to break free of being that person that's why he has like these archaic ideas of how much you can trust other people mm -hmm. what is right and what is wrong uh where the line is that the line is very his concept of like black and white good and evil is very childish yes. he is not a complex thinker in terms of like where you cross on what side yeah uh this is a bruce who like regardless of those guys robbing the bank at the beginning of the movie he would have beat up the guy who was just doing graffiti if he was just doing graffiti mm -hmm. which is not necessarily the bruce who we get to by the end of the film true a yeah. bruce who understands more nuance in like by virtue of having connected with selena uh, and learning things about how she's had to live and being checked for his privilege. Like the fact that that happens in this movie is great. Hell yeah. Um, you talk a little bit about his ideals. Um, I really appreciate and how refreshing it is, especially with the, the last iteration of Batman and, the, and mm -hmm. all the discussion with it, that this is a Batman who is fighting for his ideals. 
it, it is a Batman who's who has a it has more than one discussion about we don't use guns, we don't kill people. That's not what we do. We can't we don't cross that line. And what one of the, my favorite moments in the movie is when they're on the rooftop with Selena and Selena's about to kill the, the crooked cop and he knocks the gun out. And as they're arguing, um, the camera once cuts to the gun because they're talking about the gun and they're both having that discussion. And I really liked amplifying that idea of uh, of this Bruce uh, and finally seeing a Batman true to the comics fighting for like we don't cross that line. We just don't cross that line. Right. I like it's that really a lot. Nice. It was really nice. And again, like you said, like multiple times, like it could have been once like to acknowledge like, oh, Batman is killed. But like multiple times, it's like, yo, we don't cross that line. We are better than them. We yeah. have to be. And I'm like, man, Batman's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Right? Uh, just just cool, appreciate it. We haven't talked about Ave Maria very much. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the mother effing Riddler and his 500 followers. <laughs> yeah. God, uh, that, that's... The Riddler is so scary, but truly my favorite scene is him just like, hey guys, I'm back checking in. Shit's about to get crazy. Look me up. Like, that is, again, kind of like Scream, what Scream did earlier in the year with Reddit stuff. Like, yeah. so real. What a real villain this guy was. Watching um, my, my favorite thing about Riddler is that even when he's not in this crazy getup, he's still scary. Like, when he's in Arkham and he's talking to Batman and he starts saying Bruce Wayne, and one of the greatest reveals of the movie, that Riddler may know who he who Batman is under the mask, only to reveal he doesn't know. We almost got him, didn't we? Bruce, Bruce is so narcissistic. It's so, and it's a good it's a good trailer re- uh, d- misreveal, too, because the trailer makes it seem like the Riddler knows. Mm-hmm. It's, and that scene is so good, because he keeps talking, he keeps saying Bruce Wayne, and Bruce is like, this mother effer doesn't know and then he starts getting closer and he's like oh you don't have no idea you're not as smart as i thought you were it's and so Bru- having riddler having bruce kind of like stand there in the shadows having batman stand there in the shadows looking at him especially after he says bruce wayne and like we're talking like addressing batman as bruce wayne or so we think mm-hmm. um and have have batman kind of like his eyes because he's in the shadow he's allowed to emote a little bit his eyes kind of like widen a bit but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to break that batman cool that, that facade and then when it's revealed when riddler says we almost got him you and me we almost got bruce wayne that's when bruce that's when batman like t- kind of takes a breath and moves out of the shadows the audience uh, takes a sigh with him too yes like, oh. Oh, dude that i was gonna say that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because the, the trailer made us think that riddler knew and the second he goes bruce like like you said bruce wayne and he says over and over it's like oh my god he knows he knows what what's going on and then like when and also you see the truth on mass it's like oh my god he's gonna post that bruce wayne's batman oh man this is gonna be a really short career for you and he's like yeah we almost got him too bad huh i was like matt reeves you slime mother ever you're very you're very right like everything you guys are saying about the scene is very good like like i i like that too the misdirect that that you think that that bruce is and it turns out that bruce is just so narcissistic that he was convinced that's what it was actually all about um uh it is good because it is at the same time that he's about to tell bruce like you're just not as smart as i thought you were at the same time the riddler's not as smart as bruce thought he was too um ultimately the riddler does get like an upper hand but so does bruce on him Uh, uh, i thought that was really good um paul dano's really really great i'm glad that he's willing to crack his voice and go as hard as he did uh Uh, and he that he in that interrogation scene is more of like what the comics are he is allowed to bring that cartoonishness in his mania to it that that allows me to be like this is not realistic this is not he realistic singing but it is Ava Maria. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. so silly I really really well integrated 
yeah. uh, into the film. Yeah. The Riddler uh, the, has a gang. Again, like the gang stuff of Gotham is so fun. Like all the dudes in Saran wrap this love is, it. This is one of my favorite things is uh, that he has all those followers and like 12 dudes show up and I'm like, how realistic. Yeah. How <laughs> realistic. <laughs> they're all like, they're committed, but they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I did have plans tonight for... Uh, um, I don't know uh, if I want to drive all the way out to Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the talking about the Riddler. Um, there, there's a there's a thing that I really like in the comics about the Riddler that he is so obsessed with the fact that Batman is smarter than him. He just can't believe it. He he's driven him insane to the fact that Batman is smarter than him, and he just doesn't. He's like, I'm smarter than Batman. I got to constantly prove that I'm smarter than Batman, and that's kind of where my favorite Riddler lies. And that's the that's where that's what Matt Reeves brought from the comics to this character, to this reinvention of Riddler is that when he, he kind of, he, he can't stand the fact that, that Batman could be smarter than him. It does. It cannot be true. It ha- and it's kind of drives him even loopier towards the end of the film. Well, what's fun about it is like the Riddler does, the Riddler thinks Batman's on his side for most of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what's so ridiculous. And then it's like, I'm actually fighting you. And he's like, I thought we were even, BFFs. Even more specifically, like, the fact that the movie is willing to directly tackle, like, this is the death of the mobster era and the beginning of the supervillain era, mm-hmm. and it is because of Batman. And, like, yeah. it directly tackles that, like, I was inspired by what you were doing. I and that it. is going to be the thing, like, Batman up the ante and the villains are happening in response, and, and so Batman has to find a different way to respond to it, but he's already triggered something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really like that. I really like that this puts a whole button on like Falcone and uh, the mobsters having run things. And yeah. we get the mention of Salvatore Moroni and everything. We get the implications of everything that ran before. It is so great. And then we come to an end of it and like Cobblepot's going to rise out of this. Yeah. The Riddler and the Joker are going to rise out of this. Whoever else is going to come is going to rise out of this. There's an entire plot about like a comic book character, Moroni, and he's not even in the movie. It's so great that like he's just constantly referenced and mentioned. And you just have to keep up like, oh, this is an old mobster who blah 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 blah, right? Like that's cool that like they didn't do flashbacks with some famous actor. It's just a dude you got to keep remembering his name. That's yeah. really great. They do they do so much good work with all the corrupt police stuff too. I think they do a great job of walking the line of like you know like who is in on it, who isn't. Like not everybody's bad. I really love that you got all the people. It's like not all the cops work for you when they capture Falcone. Yeah. Uh, but I also think they do a great uh, reveal, especially for Gordon. That like the thing that I I think is going to shake Gordon out of everything. Thing, uh that that is so crucial to his character is the moment where he finds out that the biggest bust that's ever happened in gotham's history wasn't even real that they yeah. just took over the operation instead and just called it a bust but it didn't even exist and falcon the, runs the, the yeah. drop heads great concept of like a, just a very simple like giving us the idea of a drug but not like directly tackling just something unique and and that we're able to pick up on and like the concept of like this is the worst thing that's happening to the people of gotham is these drops uh these drugs are the things that like you you get like a glimpse of like how they're how they are and how burnt out they are mm-hmm. when you're in the orphanage that's been abandoned and you see them yeah and yeah. Uh, gordon refers to them as drop heads uh you know like this is something really bad and that has been pervasive and a problem of what's created like gotham's current situation Oh yeah, the opening like the opening uh, uh, bank robber guy has a drop head, <clears throat> like his mask. And I'm yeah. like, oh, look at that the enemy. I really want to see this movie again. I did yeah, too. I do too. Honestly, the problem, the only reason I couldn't see it again is because it's three hours long, and yeah. I'm like, man, that's also trailers, and I gotta get there, and I'm like, man. Yeah, um, um, I I would love to see this movie again when I'm fully rested and not hanging on for dear life thanks to the caffeine and my cherry coke. But this movie's just great. I love this movie. I have a couple of uh, notes I want to want to quick fire like like Sparks does, um, taking Sparks's Sparks's bit. Um, I love how it, what my Sparks notes. 
sparks does. I, I really like the use of the grappling hook. Um, the, 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 the fact that it's connected to the arm and how he uses it. Great grappling hook stuff. He even uses it to catch the dude from falling off the building. Love it. Great. Um, this has my favorite thing in Batman comics um, that I love so much, which is that Wayne Tower has bat ears. Uh, this has a Wayne Tower with bat ears. Thank you, Matt Reeves. I got it. I'm happy about it. Ooh, I want to bring up a note. I want to bring up a note. When he's when he's about to jump off the building and he's like, oh, shit. All right, let's do this. And he does yeah. this. And you're like, what's going on? And then he turns it into a squirrel wingsuit. Oh, I, so good. I really love that this was a Batman who was intimidated by that jump. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like being totally cool and just doing it. Like, I he, imagine he was like, oh, I imagine he hasn't done this yet. Yeah, yeah. This is his first like, I'm really going to jump off this building. Like, this and he hits now. the bus. Yeah, that that impact might have been too extreme. Without like that, dude would have been hurt, man. Come yeah. on, that's like that's like Harry Osborn in Spider Man. Well, he would have, but fortunately, this this armor is built with a bendable mask, oh. like the locked in one, like oh. uh, Dark Knight. So he's able to like take that hit. He can, yeah. Uh, like I that. love I love how bendy the mask is that he can move of a collar. Um, the this is my favorite Batmobile. This is my new favorite Batmobile in live action. Um, nice. I I love everything about it. Uh, the mirror sequence in the beginning of the movie when he's looking in the rear mirror at Gotham City as he's being he's driving away. The book ended with him looking at at Selena drive, uh, driving away. Mwah, cinema. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. No notes. They did a Fast and Furious ending. Love it. Um, yeah. uh, we we knew this was this was the case. Stagecraft continues to be a very exciting um, new technology for filmmakers to use. This uses it very well. I'm happy to see it utilized in this in a big budget blockbuster. Love it. It's like the volume. Uh, uh, yeah, some of the some of the uh, scenes where he's on top, like uh, like on a building, and there's like they're yeah. looking out of the view with like the beautiful orange sunset. Not real. Yeah, that's incredible. A, that's um that's what they do in the Mandalorian. Like as Ryan said, the volume. Um, it's the LED screens and is now making its way into films. Um, which weird that it happened the other way that it went from TV to films. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but still really cool. It still, it still continues to be a very exciting piece of technology for me that filmmakers are using and utilizing. I'm happy to see it in this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, listening to interviews, a lot of this movie was done on, on sets and sound stages and it's, yeah. it, it's, it doesn't show it's really well. It's a really well-made movie. Like, like for being like a big city movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Love it. Doesn't oh, feel claustrophobic. About... Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, the crazy ending, uh, of of turning Gotham City into no man's land. Mm. Um, instead of it being an earthquake, it's a flood. Uh, now Gotham is just a, a, a ruined city, basically. And now the the king partially anyway, par like partially a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the kingpin of crime, Penguin's probably gonna take over. You got that beautiful shot of him looking over the city. Uh, really interesting place to put your Batman after his first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like really setting up the stakes of like, wow, you're like so many criminals are gonna pop up. Uh, well, it's going to be so interesting. That's such a good point because it is such an interesting place to put your Batman in the first movie. And the first movie we see, whether or not it's an experienced Batman or not, it is very interesting to go that route this first time around. And what it does is it creates such a bigger emotional impact of Bruce's of Bruce's character change than anything else would have. Anything smaller scale would have. Well, it would have been there. What creates that? It creates such a big, powerful moment when he. He's helping get the get the mayor out, and then the kid reaches for his hand, oh. and he's leading the people with the red flare through the water. Like beautiful, powerful, 
button on that emotional arc and it's just great and it and importantly representational of who batman is because he just had the shit kicked out of him plugged himself up with some venom and then cut an electrical cord and dropped himself into the water that was green baby that was green when he when he i love the i love i love everything like look obviously robert pattinson didn't do the stunt where he where he where he's swing shotted of over where Spider-Man over to the wire. Love that bit where he's just like, I got to do this. This is what we, this is what I do. I got to save all these people. Cause if that thing falls, kills everyone in that water. I'm just and saying cuts the line. Could have Just cut a little under. So he could have held on. I'm just, saying. but then it's not as dramatic. Oh yeah. And you see like a, a flash of the electricity that makes it, that makes him lose. Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah, well, I think it's going to be a lot guys. There was one part where fan was like, why is it always ringing Gotham's like the drama. It's Gotham. It's like Seattle. It's always Gotham. Ringing, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, man. Again, like I, I, I can't get over like just how hopeful and like the final shots of the movie are in daylight. And it's, it's a little girl. Like they're in, they're in specifically Dawn, Dawn, like, Dawn yeah, of Dawn. a new hope of justice uh that little girl reaches for batman like don't leave me you are the hero and i'm like man this like it's really cool because like it's again batman like traditionally you just don't think about him in the daytime that's like a bruce wayne thing um and this batman can be more than that like so many comments have shown us that i think they did a great job uh just bouncing back a little bit i think they did a great job of still acknowledging like selena's history as a as a woman of the night um mm-hmm. but by doing it via her mother yeah uh i thought was a really good choice um the the turn to making her falcone's daughter i thought was really good mm-hmm. um that is in the long halloween new special that came out that it's uh it's implied oh, that she is falcone's daughter apparently i just heard about this that that jeff Loeb's newest piece uh following up on the long halloween did imply that she uh, not directly state, but heavily implied that she was Falcone's daughter. Um, not canon. Either way, this was still a great choice for this film because it created that connective tissue and relationship that I think was really powerful and, and dynamic. And he's so savage and gross. <laughs> like he, the best bad guy's like, "You're making me kill you." And I'm like, <laughs> "What an ass!" I love it. I, I loved his performance. He's so um, like, chill and like like. He's hor- He's a horrible no, person. No, he was Falcon, man. not Joe Chill. Oh, oh, there's a great Joe Chill reference because, like, like you know, maybe it was Maroni, maybe it was Falcon, maybe it was some random mugger, and like, yeah, like yeah. those are all real things that could have happened. Like, right. that's that's cool. Because Alfred says, like, I'll, I've spent every day trying to find out the truth of what happened, and we'll never know for sure. But I strongly think it was Falcon. Yeah. I really like that change for Alfred for this because this is not an Alfred who, like Bruce, who was a boy, just feels like, man, if only I'd done da 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 da. It was literally his job to protect them. Yeah. And yeah. he failed. Yeah. And that is a different impact and weight that Alfred has been carrying this whole time. And I really, yeah. really like that. True. Oh, the, the opening shot again with the mayor and you see the flash of the Riddler's eyes. <sighs> yeah real horror shit sorry dr strange you're not gonna get scarier than that no way that's the opening of the movie too and the and the misdirect of like the riddler using the goggles and then batman using the goggles i'm like oh batman's also creepy right batman's a creeper in this movie he's creeping on selena kyle the entire time he tells her too yeah and i'm like wow like you're admitting he owns it amazing we never we hardly ever get out get off of batman's uh point of view Mm -hmm. very rarely in the movie maybe three or four times do we um, and I think that was such a bold choice. Just constantly keep us on the same level. And we're not omniscient when we become, when we leave his point of view, it's, we, we only know the information that Batman knows at all times. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're constantly going through the story with Batman. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just, man, I just, I'm... I could compliment so many things about this movie um, from top to bottom. Something we haven't brought up at all, we've kind of, I think we very loosely alluded to it. Incredible score. Michael Giacchino's incredible score. Man, like, I listened to the score while reading our book club, and I was like, god damn, this fits any Batman book. So yeah, the 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 Batman score itself, the dun, the dun, it's incredible, and there's not there's not very much um uh there's not a lot of music in the in in the movie. There's like three tracks that they use over and over again, which is not a bad thing. But mm-hmm. I love Selena's track because it's like high strings, love mm-hmm. it. Batman's track's great. Actually, using Nirvana in it works really well. Uh, transitioning into the Batman theme, like the the oh, thing yeah. that's so incredible about what Giacchino did is that he created a base uh, a main foundation of what the the theme was but it's utilized with different instruments in different ways and in different uh lengths and stretches and tempos depending on what is happening with who mm-hmm. uh because it's not just batman's theme it's the batman's theme in the sense of like it is also the theme of gotham yeah mm-hmm. uh so sometimes it is the theme that is representational of something happening in gotham and it's played differently so it is those same notes that you're hearing but they're yeah. played uh, out in different when ways. like when he's in the when he's in the playstation it's the same batman theme but it's more acoustic it's an acoustic guitar yeah, yeah. so it's softer uh yeah it's good 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 thoughts yeah Good yeah. music, man. I also listen to it a lot of work, and it's mostly just the same duh 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 for six hours. But I'm like, I can do it all day. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I I yeah. I w- oh, one of my favorite notes. Real quick, real quick on the Batman theme. One of my favorite notes about it is that the the what you know, which is the bum 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 bum, is very good. The bells, the big church yeah, bells yeah, yeah. that are behind it, yeah. is what seals it for me. That's such a gothic tone to it that adds this like so much weight of whether it's the weight of the city or the weight of Batman is so yeah. good. Uh, I, I don't have much else to say. Like the, the feeling I like this movie is incredible. Like the, I, this is the same feeling I felt after Batman begins. I'm like, this movie's so good. I cannot wait for the next one. Cause if this one is this good and this is the base of it, where can you go from here? And I'm like, I'm so glad we're oh, already man. getting the HBO max. Spin-off. Yeah. Like they believe in it so much. And I think for good reason, like everyone involved, like delivered. Uh, and Matt Reeves is involved in every step of these things. And I, I hope that he, I hope that Warner Brothers continues to be good uh, uh, partners for him. They'll continue to work on this franchise. Uh, I hate to see him leave. I think Matt Reeves is batting a thousand. I've seen every one of his movies. They're all great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cannot wait for, um, for more of this. I do. I do briefly want to touch on where we where we think things go from here. I real quickly want to mention Mag's comment, which is I thought Chill even appeared at the funeral. Yeah. I think I know who Mag's. It's referring the guy to. who, who's yes. talking to Bruce uh-huh. for like yeah that that can be implied. It could be Joe Chill. It sure. could be yeah. yeah. Um, That's what I thought too. We probably never will. Um, I really appreciated what Matt Reeves was saying about the Joker. So uh, for anyone who didn't read into it, what he was clarifying is he really doesn't know when the Joker comes up in his mind. The Joker is not the next main villain. That's not the intention of the tease, um, which might bum some people out when that movie comes around, because I'm sure that's what a lot of people took away from it because we're used to that kind of post credit setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what he said, triggered something in me specifically where I'm like, I kind of hope the Joker never is the main villain, honestly. And that's not to say I don't want to see the Joker again. What I think would be great is if the Joker has about the same presence as Falcone or maybe even to a lesser extent Cobblepot Mm -hmm. in this film, in future ones where it's just the Joker exists. It's not necessarily the main thing. In fact, honestly, just like our book club, if the Joker only appears in the same amount that he appears in our book club, I think that that creates the vibe that Matt Reeves is alluding to about the Joker, that the Joker is kind of representational of Gotham is always in danger. 
rather than the Joker ever need to be the main villain for our Batman when yeah. we're seeing these movies. And if that's how the Joker is utilized going forward, I am really stoked about that as a concept. Yeah. Because he's also made allusions to potentially Mr. Freeze as the next one. And I, I'm all about that because that's my favorite Batman villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would love that. But I love the idea that we might just be seeing this uh, Barry Cohen as the Joker in a sense of like, always a pervasive presence but never actually our main guy yeah like, i think that would be lovely i think yeah uh, we've had so much joker like he's been the primary bad guy of two of these movies so like having him be like an outside force like having him be the guy who just gets hired like oh i deal with batman for a 10 minute scene it's a really great scene like as again as comic books happen like again like our book club like i think that reason knows exactly what to do with the joker and it's not to overuse him we we so i want to say two things real quickly uh one is we've had three jokers in the past five years um <laughs> Oh, Jared, I forget about the last one. Jared Leto, Walking Phoenix, and now Barry Cogan. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> I think that's very interesting that we've yeah. had that many Jokers. But so because of that, I totally agree. Like, you know, keeping him kind of on the back foot, not necessarily main villain. The other thing is, Ben, do you know who plays the Joker? No. Druig from Eternals. There you go. Makes sense. Um, he's a good spooky guy yeah uh the other thing that i want to talk about for like potential future is robert pattinson has already said he wants this which is the robin dynamic um and what i love about that is that i think that is so critical and i i i like that i feel like that's where we have to go now not necessarily that in the next movie we need robin but i do think we need the boy who becomes robin yeah um because of how this movie ends that whole sense of him now having hope is him having hope for the future of Gotham. The future of Gotham would be represented by a new Robin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's him investing in the future. To, to and, potentially be the next Batman. And I would Batman. love to see that dynamic. I would love to see Robert Pattinson get to play that dynamic. So even if we don't get Robin in the next movie, I hope we get the boy that becomes him. Robert Pattinson sure wants it. Every interview I'm talking about, he's like, give me that 13-year-old boy. I, I I'm would like, love, no, I would, chill out. I would <laughs> love Making out like that. I would love that dynamic to come out yeah, in, yeah. into the, these films. I, I think that would be great. Like it's it's obviously he's not any character, but like the, the main boy who is like constantly shown through the film, like heavy Robin vibes, and like again that character probably. But more, show up, but, but more like, purposefully, I think like he's he's very good for what he's there for, which is like because you're not being shown the Waynes dying again and what happened, you you are bringing your knowledge of knowing who Bruce Wayne Batman mm-hmm. is. That is where you're expected to like have the pop culture osmosis of you know, mm-hmm. you understand. He is a parallel to Bruce, and that is what Bruce is seeing. Yeah, and that is creating that emotional connection for you. Uh, it, it would be a decent window for a Robin, but I do think like it won't be. We, we have a clear palette of like what we could do going forward that yeah. I think could be very, very cool. Uh, one final thing that I remember um, when I don't remember when it happens, but um, Gordon has to like go against Batman, and and Batman's like, even you, Gordon, and it's like he almost starts crying. Because yeah. the one friend he had betrayed him. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so good. He's, he's, all the Batmans have been really emotive under the mask. But, like, man, Pattinson just has those eyes that I'm like, man, you just look so sad all the time. I want to hug you. Uh, I want to talk. I want to bounce off what, what Spike said about Robin real quickly. Um, I think I think we kind of are in an interesting space with, with Robin that you can pick either. Any, any Robin that has ever existed, any Batman sidekick. And it fills the role that would be necessary. I'm not saying that they're interchangeable characters, but like any one of those characters can kill, can fill the role of that kind of like more hopeful, uh, the more hopeful optimistic future of where Gotham could be, could be identified in any of those Robins. I agree. Except Jason Todd. Except for, except for Damien. (laughs) Oh, right. I don't think we need Damien. 
No, but no, but like honestly, like this being its own universe, they could do Dick, they could do Stephanie, they could do Cass, they, they, could, do they, they could do Tim, really, they could do just any Robin. I yeah, was having a discussion with Megan where I was like, you know, honestly, I feel like Tim Drake where rules. I feel like where we're at, um, Tim Drake is the likeliest candidate, so cool, only man. because he is probably the most malleable for adaptation, where fans will expect less. Mm-hmm. of you to do specific things like we know what they'll expect you to do if you jason todd we or dick know grayson. what they'll expect you to do if you have dick grayson yeah tim drake you're a little you're given a little bit more free reign he's a smart one just make him a smart one you're great yeah i i think that's a i think that's really cool and fun that kind fact, of goes back fun fact the to... boy who mm-hmm. uh scampers off from the joker gang the who gets man. scared of batman is tim drake in titans yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. we um, watch enough to know what happened back then nope <laughs> Uh, I think that I think this kind of Robin discussion speaks to the the point that like the 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 quote unquote sillier elements can totally exist in this world and be done with the same care and love that we've seen with Batman. We can see Robin. We can see the Court of Owls. Honestly, like the Court of Owls would be a good um, antagonist for. I know they've been done to death, but the Court of Owls can be a good antagonist for specifically this Batman who is dealing with learning Gotham. Um, uh, and and even like Dick Grayson is has ties to the Court of Owls, so you could bring in Dick Grayson like that. Like there are are ways that you can incorporate these things. And like honestly, I think Court of Owls might be my pick for what where you go in the sequel because that'd be really cool. I was and, and all, to and all the for the next movie, and I really like the Court of Owls, the Court of Owls yeah. approach. Here's I, the thing though, uh, I don't think it could be the next movie. Because he needs to establish that he knows Gotham inside and out to know that there's something hidden under there. I, this entire movie was about him discovering hidden stuff. It can't be the next movie again. It has to be the third one. I, I think if Reeves is intending to do a trilogy, Court of Owls is how you end that trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Because that is uh, Bruce truly getting to like the bottom of the bottom, right? Of what's going on in Gotham. Uh, yeah. And like there will still be super criminals, but he'll clean up a large element if he's taken on the Court of Owls at the, by the end of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. See, what I'm thinking of... Um, not to not to not to push back on anything you you two said. Whether it be the next one or the third one doesn't quite matter to me. What I'm thinking of seeing of like what I'm what got me excited about it is you know we always talk about that issue where it's Batman in the maze and he's going crazy and losing that. Like seeing Pattinson do that, uh, kind of do that storyline would be so interesting to me to see. Is so powerful. Just thinking about what he could bring to that to that story specifically uh, got me just excited. Oh yeah, bro! I got a Court of Owls tattoo. I like the Court of Owls. I want to see them all I think, day long. I think there's a very good chance that they're utilized at some point in this Reeves verse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also want it. Like again, yeah. both, like every I'm piece sure. nerd. I'm I love sure it. it's where we're headed. It it only makes sense again. You don't want to, you don't want to always use the same villains you constantly like that you've used before. Like Mister Freeze is a good one to use because the only time we've got him, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger. But like doing villains you haven't seen yet is a is also great. Yeah, I, I think the one one of the things the reason why I wanted to highlight just kind of the Court of Owls thing is like I don't I going into this I didn't want to see the Court of Owls like I, I like the Court of Owls I think they're kind of overdone I don't necessarily know why I think that but um uh coming in coming out of this movie thinking of the future of where this could go and like that immediately excited me which I was surprised by um and it's just a nice place to be in yeah I agree I think I think part of the thing that i'm just trying to uh project onto you what uh, what i think i feel about court of owls is once you get that initial hit of the run that's really great that is about the court of owls every time they get referenced after that the sheen of it is off a lot how harder. much have, how much has it been referenced though because after a lot Scott Snyder's run, how much after scott Snyder's run how much like 
a lot. Tell, no, I'm I'm actually asking because I don't know. Well, they did the they did the not the Nightwing, not Tom Taylor's Nightwing, the Nightwing before it dealt completely with the Court of Owls, how he almost took it over. Um, it you was kind of like the one that was during the run. No, no, it was after that too. It was. Okay. Uh, it was it was after that it was before the the Tom the Tom Taylor run, where okay. he uh, kind of takes over the Court of Owls and learns that the Court of Owls is like a global thing, and that becomes like he's trying to take down the Court of Owls. Okay, gotcha. Um, so they have been utilized, and there was a lot of there's been like I think talons have popped up in numerous places. Um, oh, talons on the on the the, the task force Z right now. So yeah, yeah, um, but like you know whatever I like. I was just saying it was a nice place to be and to be excited about something for the future. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, like I, I actually didn't know because I haven't read any of that stuff, so I didn't know yeah, they yeah. popped up in other places. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where like that was a, it's a really great story, and part of the reason it's a really great story is because you kind of have to do it, and you really do kind of have to if you want to maintain it. That's a one and done. Yeah. That is a that is a, I've unveiled the big thing. You yes. can't unveil the big thing again. Yeah. And yeah. so anything after that is kind of watering it down. Yeah. Uh, and and I do know that there have been allusions <laughs> to that kind of stuff later in the comics and, and things that have happened. And I'm like, but you can't repeat that mixture. You can do a lot of different things with different villain stories, but you can't repeat the mixture of the moment that the court of Alpha revealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a one time yeah. thing, and you can't just keep revisiting that formula. But we haven't done it in live action films, so there's a lot of good precedent for that to happen. Yeah. Be really creepy to see in this in this type of movie too. Absolutely, uh, I think it would look really cool in in this look of the film. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I would be... love it. I, you know what I would love? I would love for Cobblepot to accidentally stumble into it. Jesus, <laughs> like what like not hell? that he gets involved, but he like steps into the wrong spaces as he's trying to build his rise to power. Like, I didn't see like, nothing. <laughs> like like the, not even that we like really see. That's where we get our teases of it starting to happen. It's not even in the next Batman movie. It hardly even comes up in the next Batman. Movie. Well, I, it's, yeah. in, it's in the Penguin show where he's trying to make his rise to power, and he's like, "Why am I getting blocked he, in these weird ways? What's no, happening?" Like, <laughs> it'll be the simplest. He's like, he's at some like he's at like the first big crime meeting. He's like, "We're on the kingpin of crime. Here's all these other villains, and there's one dude in else who's like, what's up with that guy? Don't worry about it.'" Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or like he even he's being interrogated by Batman because you don't even know the truth about yeah, yeah. Gotham ooh, City. Ooh, Batman. Um, uh, uh, the cinematographer of this film is the same one from Mando. Yeah. Um, he, he looks great. Uh, I, I I'm excited for great things from this guy. I'm mm-hmm. so happy he's doing films now. Yeah. Or he was doing films before and I didn't hear of him. Either way, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see more of him. Great job all around. You guys oh, yeah. did it. A plus. You made the movie. Shall we wrap it up then? Yes. Yes. All right. Since Ben, your ex- your ex- your your yes was exacerbated, you go first. What would you rate it? Final sorry, I'm, str- I'm starting to get tired again. Um, ten. Uh, this movie was fantastic. I can't wait to see it again. You know, fully rested and without being stupid tired. I. Other than the, the length thing I said earlier, I really don't have anything bad to say about this movie. I don't have a negative. I like earlier, Brandon, you said 10 out of 10, no notes. I'm like, more I think about it, yeah, I don't really have notes. This movie was, I love every bit of this movie. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. Sparks. Oh, it's a 10. Anything you want to add or good? I feel like we've covered it pretty well. Like, I, Ryan, I, I'm very pleased this was the Batman movie I wanted. Ryan. I would give it a 9.5. I gave Spider-Man a 10. I still think I like Spider-Man more. Yeah. Uh, it is a 10 out of 10 for me. This is everything I wanted in a ba- in this Batman movie, in a Batman movie. Um, well, not everything, but like very close. Um, so jazzed with it. Love it to pieces. Can't wait to see it again. I love my detective Batman. Me too. 
Shall we get into our book club? Speaking of detectives. Ryan. Hey. Take it away. Hey, guys. Uh, so we saw a Batman, and I'm like, let's let's do some more of the Batman. So I picked a book I haven't read in a long time, but it it when I read it, it like blew my mind. I loved it so much. Uh, Detective Comics, The Black Mirror by Scott Snyder, by Jacques, and by Francesco Frecavilla. Uh, this is a three three issue mini series like that leads into like it's one big arc that has like mini series in between. It's about James Gordon Jr., a very 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 interesting young man. Um, and I'm curious what you guys have to think about it. First of all, Ben, please tell me you read more than the first three issues. Of course, I read more than three. <laughs> okay, three. I'm just making sure. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was very surprised. Where it said the Black Mirror Part Three of Three. I was like, "Wow, this is gonna be short." And then at, once I got to the to the the skeletal the skeletal case, I'm like, "I wonder," because no, yeah. you guys did that to me before. I got a book, and it's like, "Dude, hey, there's more." I was like, "No, I heard only read the title." But it's like, "Oh, but we did this to you, Ben." We I did will, this to you. I will point out that when Ryan named it last week, he said I it said is 10 a 10-issue read. Specifically. It is long. Make the time for it. Also, our the 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 unnamed website that we use to read some comics sometimes has this the trade that you could just read. No, I didn't. Anyway, I read, I read the trade. I read the whole trade. I, read I just want to make trade. sure because it would have been only a part of the story. And that's a good good first three issues, but like that's it, not the core of the story. At first, I'm, okay, so speaking of... All right. All right, you know, I'll I'll let the other guys talk because I have a thing about this. It's just like it's a uh, so this is this is the period. This is like one of my favorite eras of DC Comics. It is right before the New Fifty Two. This run got cut short because the New Fifty Two got launched. Scott Snyder has said I came on Detective Comics to write Dick Grayson. A year later, they told me I have to write Bruce Wayne. Uh, <laughs> always bummed me out for an eternity because I love this comic. I love Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison. I love Dick Grayson as Batman, even though he's not the person who should be Batman. I love him as Batman. Him as Batman is so fun. I love it. He's so funny. He's like, I don't have a sense of humor on Batman, but he's constantly making jokes. I love it. Um, I love when he's love when it. he's stepping on the guy's feet, a roadrunner's feet, and he goes, "Oops, look what I did. Oops, I can't believe Whoopsies. this. Whoopsies." Whoopsies. Yeah. Or even when Axel love when like Jim Gordon like looks at him after he turns the signal off. He's like, "What's up? What's wrong?" He's like, "Nothing. Just weird. Still seeing you there after I'm done talking." Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, so I think this is a great story. Um. Uh, again, it is like it is like three and then one issue like mini arcs that lead into one big thing about James Gordon's son. Um, I think it's a really good horror story, and like Scott Snyder is really good at doing horror stuff. And like this is the team that makes witches in a couple years, um, and it shows because like this felt very spooky. Um, I loved this. I thought this was really great. Um, I also like Dick Grayson as Batman, but this might be the the favorite I've read of his so far. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's kind of allowed to do I really do like his interplay with Damien to be fair but like I really do think his his brotherly banter with Tim Drake is very fun mm-hmm. um like when he's in the boat and he's and he's talking to Tim on the side it was like, oops I can't hear you anymore this is a fight <laughs> you're on a 5G that we can't Tim can you hear me and we're breaking like, up <laughs> we're breaking up very funny it's it's kind of in the same way that bat that the batman was it's like darkly humorous it's got this it, it's not kind of outright making jokes it's just funny in the situation um very much love the writing of it i like all the br- breakup arcs how they kind of lead up together loved it it's definitely making jokes because it has one of my best jokes in any batman comic i've ever read which is 
be careful, Red Robin. They're wearing sunglasses at night, which means they're very, very cool. Oh, yes, yeah. that's true. I love you guys. And you know what? And you know what? There is, I want to bring up, since you brought that up, I want to bring up my favorite line, which is, all right, Bats, if that's the way you want it, then all I can say is, meet meet, sucker. <laughs> the Roadrunner's um, so good. I don't, I'm not going to lie, one of my favorite parts, or that was like, oh, man, I love, or, okay, the thing that solidified me loving Dip, Dick Grayson as Batman is when um the the girl comes with a shotgun and he points his finger back. He goes, "Bat taser." Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool. We got you, oh, and we got you. And again, like he has the biggest grin on his face. Like, yeah, I got you, girl. <laughs> I'm Batman. He like. And he's just like he's just like hey, 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 bat taser. Um, one of my favorite lines is um uh there's there's this um laboratory that the wayne foundation set up for the cops to use and they don't really want to use it uh except for gordon because he's nice but dick grayson is there and he's like uh, uh uh james call me dick please you drove me to high you drove, you drove me to high school prom and he's like actually i drove my daughter to prom and you just happened to be in the car young man and i'm like <laughs> oh that's spicy oh, you know, right. so, i really liked when gordon when gordon was like your your other business oh and like dick kind of has his mom was like i didn't know you knew that Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you knew I was Batman. But he doesn't. Well, no, he no, he doesn't. This part he yeah. does know. No, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah right. I love their dynamic. I love all the different the villains use. Like, there's there's um there's like some Killer Croc stuff. There's some like Mad Hatter tech. Like, it's like all, oh, so I was gonna tell you. So the, the stuff the the stuff that that starts at that's actually now that I've read it, I'm like, oh, this was clearly the inspiration for the opening of Batwoman season three, mm-hmm. which is where oh. other people start getting pieces from the previous villains and like either unintentionally or unintentionally like with the croc kid unintentional yeah uh that happens mad hatter tech is the next thing yeah yeah. uh also again like that one is intentional and then utilizes it and like i was like oh that's clearly where this came from like that tech getting out there and uh people either unsuspecting or or now getting access to it and utilizing it for their benefit like that was laced into it, so that's where it came from, which is really that's interesting. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Since season three of Batwoman. That's that was the opening of this. Three? Yeah, this wow. third season. Crazy. So I want to talk about, um, obviously the whole book, and also where I thought it was an anthology thing at first, because it's like, oh, part one, a uh, part three. It's like here's the Black Mirror, three of three, and then it's like the skeletal key, and I'm like, how? Well, as I was reading this, I was like, what's going on? And there's like a little mention of the mirror house. And there's a little mention of um, the other criminals. But then once it got to James Gordon, like the finale, when it all tied up in a bow, I was like, oh, my God, it all made sense. That's what I was yeah. like. That's what because as I was reading, I was like, uh, I don't know. But I'm like, no, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. But once I got to the end, I'm like, one of the best Batman books I've ever read, hands down. I thought this was an extremely thoughtful read i i really enjoyed how much you get out of it you get so many different elements of the batman world in it you get creepiness you get to focus on so many different characters um i really like what they do with james i really like his first interactions with gordon in the book that you read which Mm -hmm. is where they're really playing you on both sides of like yeah he's good is he yeah he's good is he? Oh man, he's bad. So no, wait, is he? So many great pages. They do, they do a great job. The, the him constantly watching the bathroom as the water spilling out in that first yeah. interaction. Very good. I just had the page open and it's like, "What's on your shirt? Oh, it's blood. I killed the waitress. Ah, uh-huh, dad, it's just ketchup. I'm joking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't know though. And, and then, then the... he finally gets the ultimate confirmation when he comes to the the boy from their childhood past that bullied him oh, in the basement. There's a sense that like what Scott Snyder wanted to do is kind of create James Gordon Jr. as uh, Dick's joker 
right? Yeah. Like this, like it's James Gordon Jr. is Dick's Black Mirror. It is the it is the the evil reflection of Dick Grayson, um, and kind of in the same way that the Joker is the evil reflection of Batman. And I I liked that dynamic. And I think that plays off really well. Uh, Dick Grayson, he oozes empathy. He is yeah. the most care. That's why. That's why again, I like him as Batman so much because like he cares like. Not that Bruce Wayne doesn't care, but he cares more about people than than Bruce Wayne does. He is a regular person who's just able to experience that in a way Bruce didn't, right? Because he's going through his own weird Batman stuff. Like right. the way he's able to connect with people is so great. I love it. Uh, the way he talks again, like all the all the stuff like with Tim, with Damien, uh, the stuff with Babs, I love their their chemistry is so good. Uh, again, Scott Snyder, like one of the best Bat Riders for the whole family. Like so just good stuff all around. Yeah, um, the the. Seeing uh, James Gordon Jr. in the flashbacks, kind of almost like the egg from uh, Puss in Boots. Um, like I was there the whole time. <laughs> he's at the he's at the party, the auction, and he's like, "This is James Gordon Jr. right behind." Oh, a little arrow. Yeah. Like this is him that he was right behind Dick Grayson the whole time. Um, they, they give you it. so many avenues for the story, like the the Peter Pan killer that you focus on for a while, and then ultimately you realize that the importance of it is that Gordon starts to get convinced that it was him and not James, and he's like, you got best! And he's like, oh boy, like we are in such murky the, 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 the scene where he's like, where he's hanging the killer off the ledge, and he's like, I came to visit you and your boy, and I looked your boy in the eyes, and I saw a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a murderer. And I'm like, James, the the art that are like i like i like jock's art he he's like kind of more ethereal witch's art um but francesco ficavilla's art is so stunning and the colors pop so hard and every time james interacts with his son he never smiles every time james jr is like bye dad james is like mm. and i'm like it is this is a really emotionally like hard book and mm -hmm. i'm like it allows james to be like i don't know what to do with my son i truly want to believe him but I don't know what to do. Also, his plot to de-empathize children to create more monsters is incredible, and it's a plot element that has not been rediscovered yet, so there's some villain in the future that's going to be a little baby. Potentially. potentially a baby that's like, yeah, they left, I have no they emotions. They left themselves a, a very big backdoor of like, we can make a lot of bad people. Yeah, like, potentially <laughs> like all of the children in Gotham are evil. Like that We is don't know. All, we all don't... born at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know if it happened. We don't know if he did it before we caught on. We don't know if... He, if we stopped it, we just will never know. And then, like the hint that you know, there's the other baby that could be the next James Gordon Jr. Who's um, just giving the thousand yard stare and uh, it's like that the, is freaky. I love his plan of like, so I I started to do this drug trial to help to help fix my problems, and then I re-engineered that drug to do the opposite, so it only makes me the worst person I could possibly be, and now I'm going to do yeah. that to everybody. That is. That's a really good evil plan. That's a really spooky plan to de-emotionalize. Yeah. I realized I realized that having empathy is the problem. Yeah, like uh, it's awful. You're, you're all weaker than me. Yeah, I thought I was the one with the problem, but you're all the problem. Uh, God, I love it so much. Yes, I think it's a very, very well thought out story. It has so many good beats. I love the introduction of a lot of these characters. We get the the daughter of Zuko. Uh, oh, that, Sonya. That, yes, that uh, Dick has to face and. Uh, uh doesn't trust and has to contemplate his own like what he's bringing to the table and already it's, to that relationship and then what he has to believe in and what he has to assume about people it's so that's so good because yeah like the the person who murdered his his, his parents this is this is their daughter and she's like i'm not a bad person i am a good person i've spent my whole life trying to be a good person but then maybe she does something that's bad and dick's like what am i i tried so hard to believe you you uh, this is the reason i don't trust people you get the pirate <laughs> 
uh, who I love. I love the pirate. Oh, oh my yeah. god, Tiger I, Shark. I got a picture of this guy. Hold on. So interesting. Yeah. So what is what is uh, uh, Zuko's daughter in this again? Sonia Branch. Sonya? She's like yeah yeah. So interestingly, there is another. This plotline has been revisited by Tom Taylor, and I had to double check. In the current, um, yeah. in the current, in the current run, uh, Melinda Zuko um, is the estranged daughter of Zuko, who is now who was the mayor of Bloodhaven. I find that yep. very interesting. Well, unfortunately, the New Fifty Two got happened, and then they rebirthed it, and now just Sonya doesn't exist anymore. I guess <laughs> who even knows what exists anymore? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, some of the art in this, uh, it's I can't show it on here because the green sets up, but like some of the art is so stunning. Uh, and even though I was kind of, I was, I was kind of dissing Jock's art a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like it's not bad. Like there are some images where it's like a huge face in the middle. Yes, this exact panel. It's hard to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Francesco's art. Yeah, oh, with all like, the with it's when Gordon takes James out to the to the woods, uh, and and they're with Barbara and everything. Uh, the colors, the way Gordon is centered in it as the panels are moving around him, is just so good. It's such incredible art throughout this thing. Um, yeah, this is like Afterlife with Archie, like pre all that stuff. There's like, another one that's just Gordon when he's looking over the files, and it's the silhouette of James around him. Mm -hmm. uh yeah it, like frankly overpowering him this this Frank joker cover one of the greatest covers of all time i almost got this tattooed but it would have cost like 800 dollars, so i didn't get it frankly is one of my favorite frankly is one of my favorite art artists um i've been following him on, on instagram for a long time i loved him ever since i saw his spirit artwork um oh, yeah. and then and then you know he's done moon knight he did moon knight with uh lemire um great work there um i love it whenever he gets to do i, I buy some of his covers sometimes whenever he does he does covers i love his art so much and so i love seeing his artwork in this in like main comic panels because i haven't seen it in such a long time it pops uh uh the scene with james with james jr and barbara can you see it yeah uh where he has he has two knives in her legs yeah but because in her femoral in her femoral arteries but because she's paralyzed she doesn't know that they're there yet so he uncovers a blanket and he's like yo if you pull these when out he, you will die when he lies to her that uh fakes her out that he suggested oh the joker what led to the joker paralyzing her what an awful uh, human being yeah. oh my god he's and i don't think he's i think he has shown up again in a different batman series that i have not read because it wasn't by scott snyder uh so i don't know what james Go james jr is doing now i doubt it's anything as cool as this uh I, he works for dick so well he does not need to be going against bruce wayne whatsoever I really, really do like all of this. I love the way that it crescendos into that interaction between uh, James and Barbara and, and the way that they go about each other. That he's like, you always saw me for what I really was. And, and you know, at, at the same time that that felt bad, like it also was a relief because it meant that it, that I was right yes. in, in knowing what who I was going to become and like all this kind of stuff. And uh, I thought that was all just so, so good. Um, I, I really liked, um, there's a line about Gotham that Gordon says earlier. Uh, uh, if you're thinking about visiting Gotham City, all the travel guides give the same piece of advice, visit in the winter. They all talk about the snow, how it makes the city look fresh and bright and new. Read between the lines and it's clear that what they're saying is you should visit Gotham when the real city is covered up. Uh, yeah, I thought really, really great. Uh, the same thing. The very first page talks about um, Dick Grayson and like when he's when he's a traveling circus and like there's different points on the map and the there's a, and there's a black pin in Gotham, which means go all out, no safety nets. You go as hard as you can. And, and he asks why that says because some cities are just that hungry. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's like, oh, that means so much. I love it. Like Gotham is hungry for like the, the most you can give it, like good or bad. Uh, yeah. yeah this, this again, like. 
this book is so good and i love dick grayson he shouldn't be batman but like it's nice that we have this era i wish it lasted longer than a year because i love it truly so much you know babs as oracle that's like this is like the dc universe i want to see you know bruce wayne is doing uh batman stuff with batman inc and you have like knight and squire in london you have a hundred batman everywhere this is my favorite batman era my favorite dc era as well this is when when every when the two like best titles were green lantern and batman like wonderful era um through and through uh there was something good good use of the joker again like i alluded to it earlier but i thought a very nice balanced use of the joker i love that his presence is basically they're like you're wearing too many feathers i'm waiting for the real bat oh my god that's that is so good yeah uh like you're not my batman get out of my way yeah that's so that's so fun um i wanted to ask you guys because i did get a little confused in this one about gordon's family uh, I, I wasn't sure who was the ex-wife, who was the current wife. How? Wh- what was? Because there's a bit where where, Gort, where James Gordon Jr. says when they first brought you home, talking to Barbara. I was like, wait, you're okay. older. No, I got it. Okay, so it, it is confusing. Barbara is the name of the mother, and Barbara is also the daughter's name. There's not a junior or a thing like James Jr. There's also Leslie Tompkins, who is who was they had an affair in Batman Year One, but they're not connected. Barbara is the name of both the mother and the daughter. So no, I, I, I knew. Sarah. I knew that, but like Sarah, Sarah is the Sarah is James Gordon Jr.'s mother. No, right? No, no. 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 Barbara Sarah is, is Sarah Barbara's step stepmom. Sarah is both their stepmoms, mothers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Sarah is Barbara and and Junior's stepmom. Barbara okay. is mom to James Jr. Because okay. we see her. Because we see her. Because after they sh- after they split and moved to Chicago and Jim married Sarah, yes, um, yes. they she brought uh, Jim Junior with her to Chicago. Sarah is mom number two. Yeah, Sarah okay. is mom number two because she says when well, when they're in the cabin when we see Bess is like, oh silly, don't call me sick, don't call me Mrs. Gordon, call me Sarah. Right, but she it's weird because he call he calls her Mrs. Gordon. Yeah, what not I'm Sarah is who is like what is Barbara because they said once you brought when they when yeah, James Gordon dad, Jr. does say because he even though it looks like he's the younger brother he does say when they brought you home to Barbara it, implying that he was there when she was born that was a little strange yeah I mean I yeah. was and yeah, that could be a misprint that could be a misprint maybe they, they meant to say it to be bar maybe they meant to be Barbara's dialogue but it was weird I'd have to relook Barbara, at it. Oh, yeah. Barbara Eileen Gordon is the ex-wife of James Gordon and the mother of Barbara Gordon and James Gordon Jr. Yeah. Okay, really so Sarah is just the new mom who's like on the stepmom. Sarah's the stepmother. Sarah is the current wife and the stepmother of both. And yes. we're still confused about why James Gordon Jr. says when you br- when they brought you home, Barbara. Okay. Um, that's all I needed. No, okay. I'm still trying to figure it out too. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. We need to do more detective work. It could be a mistake, a misprint of something and or I, or it could be read wrong. I think the only part that confused me is the part where Barbara says, "This is James, my stepbrother," and I'm like, "But he's not your stepbrother." Yes, yeah, that too. was also confusing. Oh, I think that was. I think that was. I think because she was like, she was like with friends, right? When she said that, yeah. I think she was like, "I don't. You're not like my real brother. You're my stepbrother," kind of thing. That's why. But that line is why I thought that James Gordon Jr. was Sarah's. Was Sarah's oh, oh, son? Oh, oh, oh. After Flashpoint. Barbara Eileen Gordon is the mother of Barbara Gordon. This is before Flashpoint, though. Right. So no, don't not do no. not the truth at this moment in time. Oh no! Don't do this. I can't do this. Yeah, that, know, yeah. that, I was mostly talking about for this book, but yes, I, I I did I did know that Sarah Gordon is not a character anymore at post Flashpoint. 
Sorry, Sarah. Uh, yeah, man. Black Mirror, if you've never read this book. I mean, you listen to us talk about it, so like, I hope you read it. But like, incredible book. Love it. Sorry, Dick. You're Nightwing again, which I ain't mad about. Honestly, I love it. Um, love it. I think James Gordon Jr. is quote-unquote cured at this point. The last time I remember seeing him, he helped Batman on something. I but... I do not like that at all. I hope. I, I'm sure it's good, but I don't like it. I mean, I don't remember it, so you take that how you will. Um, it's also something like, look, Hawkman died before he had an ongoing series, so like, it doesn't matter. What What is comic book continuity if not fluid? True. Well, no, I just mean like, I don't want James Gordon Jr. to be a hero. <laughs> yeah, I would like I would like James Gordon He's Jr. to pop up again because like okay. I like the idea I like the idea of giving Dick Grayson a Joker, and I like yeah. James Gordon Jr. in that role, and I'd like to see it happen again. Same. Real, real quick. So, uh, during the post-crisis continuities, Barbara, the daughter, Barbara Gordon. Yeah was reimagined as Jane's niece, Jim's niece. Her actual father being his brother, Roger, and her mother being a woman named Thelma. <laughs> this was due to the then-recent creation of Barbara Eileen Gordon and retrofit the name discrepancy into continuity, which was Jim's wife. However, some issues imply that she was conceived in an affair between James and Thelma, so his sister-in-law. Following DC's second Flashpoint event, Barbara was then became the daughter of Barbara Eileen, thus named after her mother, much akin to James Gordon Jr. DC, what are you doing? <laughs> DC, I love on, it. Bro. Come on, guys. I love so, it. <laughs> so she she was, at this point, the, the daughter of Jim from an affair with Thelma. And Louise. Which is why he, which is the, which explains the line, when they first brought you home, because it would be, it would be they're introducing the two siblings, the two right. half-siblings. Right. Wow. Interesting. Anyway, okay. Dick Grayson smiles. Take that, Batman. That Gordon family's complex. It is complex. Before Flashpoint, then it's clearly simplified, which maybe that's. Oh my best. god, yo! Like, it's not gonna happen, but like, like either like in the back or Batgirl sequel or in like a Batman movie, like I we could James Gordon Jr. could be a well, no, we just got a serial killer. We can't do that again. I think we gotta do something different. Uh, he'd probably be pretty old at this point. Uh, pretty young at this point. You should introduce so, J.K. Simmons in the in the Reeves verse as Roger. Jesus. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> i posted a thing about like i'm sure you guys saw it but like you know if 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 michael keaton is the is the batman of the dceu does that make michelle five for the catwoman of the dceu or are we making Anne hathaway the catwoman of the dceu just to mess with the continuity i saw that tweet excuse me make it her the kid and then they, they said so some people said halle berry but i think we should get tessa thompson as the original 70s bat girl uh the catwoman because uh, she looks like the the African American actress who played the role. The kit. There you go. Yep. All right. Anything else we want to add about the book? I think it's terrific, and Great I read. love it. Great read. Glad you liked it. Uh, loved it. All right. I'm gonna Can my turn next that? week. My turn next week. I'm going to keep the Batman train running because I'm interested in reading this book, which is Batman Imposter by <laughs> Matson Tomlin. With Andrea Sorrentino as the uh, artist. I read this book last month. Um, it recently got a... Tr the hardcover came out last week, I believe. Uh, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and it's written by the... We talked about it when it was announced, but it was written by the writer of The Batman. I've been interested in reading ever since, but I'm waiting for the hardcover. So now it's out. So let's. I'm going to do it as a book club, if you don't Or Batman! Um... There you go. So stay tuned for that next week. We're still kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do, but um, perhaps turning red or perhaps the Adam project and Ryan, you won't be joining us next week. You're on no, vacation. 
I'm taking a vacation. Yeah, a well-deserved vacation. It's truly been years since I've done anything with my life, so yes. Um, all right, so that'll do it then. Stay tuned for that. Um, Mag, good night, sir. Always Thank a pleasure. You. Bye-bye. You can check out some of our other shows. Make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel. You can check out our audio feed, such as Conversation, which is um, working on Season 2 right now. Woo! Excuse me. Um, check out our Fickner's Watch series. Once again, like this channel. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Check out our Fickner's Watch series on this channel, which is only only available video. Um, there's a Peacemaker one that recently went up. There's a Book of Boba Fett that recently went up. Um, Star Trek Discovery is ongoing, um, for now at least. Um, and Star Trek Picard ha- will we'll start soon. Since the series has started, we'll, we'll get that going. Um, and it looks like our next one... Uh, might be Moon Knight if we like it enough to do it weekly. So, I mean, I'm sure it's Moon Knight one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about it sometime. All right, and of course our Basement Arcade series, which uh, Mortal Kombat X is the current series for that. Check that out. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, a new episode just recently went up. You can find the links for both the audio and the video in the description below. Ben, yeah, it's your show. It is my show. I love doing that show. Do you want uh, to say that, anything else? Uh, about this week or the one that might be coming up soon? Either. I don't care. Uh, yeah, definitely check this uh, this week out. With all the stuff with the Wii U and the, the 3DSC shop, it's definitely a good listen. Definitely will get you uh, get your brain scratching and thinking about things. Cool. Uh, Fickner Book Club and Amish Station are other shows that we have on this channel. Um, hey, guys. Check out some of our masks. We have those still linked below. We have a couple left. Uh, Crafted by Z Masks. You can for the pandemic just to you know hide yourself like batman uh from germs um My here. <laughs> um find that link below as well as our t public and our patreon both of those links are available below or you can find them on our website at www.fakenerpodcast.com check out all the links to all of our shows all of our merchandise all of everything everything's there is a great landing page but it's linked below Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. Thank you to everyone who watched the live channel show. The live show pop in every now and then. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. You can find more of him. You, you know, he, done all, he did all the music for tonight. He does all the music for our shows. You can find him at Instagram on Instagram at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards, or you can find his podcast Suburban Proctologist on iTunes, Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola, our good friend Mike Matola, who does who does, does a couple logos for us and uh, uh, does collaborations with us that we love. Um, hopefully, we get him on soon. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram at Mike Matola. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Victor Podcast. Fickerguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, which is linked below. I also write a series of Revisiting the Infinity Saga and write freelance for Atomic Geekdom. Uh, that you can find, and I am the website editor for Kaiju Ramen. Ben, you can find me trying to squeeze as much free time as I can to play Elden Ring at Ben Magna Twenty Seven on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, both the website and the magazine. GoNintendo.com, which gentlemen, GoNintendo.com is launching in twelve minutes. Monday. so as of as we're recording this it, it's coming out the following monday so woo my first article is a review of gem wizards tactics what do i think about that game you have to you have to read the review to find out and also i am writing for fusion gaming magazine and my first in the first issue with me in it is issue 31 
And it's not just going to have one article by me. It's going to have two. I wrote a quick little piece over the weekend, and it's going to go oh, in. I saw what it nice. looks like. I'm like, yay. I forgot to mention, I have a piece in this latest issue of Kaiju Ramen magazine. Uh, the fifth issue is out. I have a piece of the new video game, Dawn of the Monsters, um, which I enjoyed writing, and I hope people enjoy it. Sparks? Uh, you can find me waddling away from ever writing a piece like the penguin in this film. One of the best moments ever. Uh, at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan, uh, you could find me trying uh, finger comma butthole in Elden Ring every day of the week, leaving messages in that game. One of life's greatest desires. Try finger comma butthole. Okay. Thank you for subscribing. Have a great day. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds. Bye.